You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp and SwordChomp.com. Thank you for taking time out of your crazy life to listen to ours. And remember, if you dig what we do, please, please, please go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Look for our special VIP $5 tier or, or, this is a big one. You need to start doing this now. Ratings. iTunes ratings in particular. If you subscribe on iTunes, it means the world for us to just go take two seconds to drop a five-star rating. Um, helps us, uh, helps the show get out there to new ears. So. Mucho appreciation. We got an amazing show today. Um, I want to start it off this way. <clears throat> and I promise this will all make sense. I'm sorry for this, Josh. Um, <laughs> there's a there is a legendary scene from a show called The Office. Now, this episode is called The Dinner Party. All right. And it's an episode where basically a bunch of office workers get together for a dinner at the boss's house. All right. And um, anyways, Michael Scott, the manager, gets into a public spat with his girlfriend, Jan. And the fight gets a little bit too personal in front of their co-workers. And they start to have an argument about, you know, whether they were or not going to have a baby. Because they had a disagreement about that. And all the co-workers had to watch this argument unfold. So I will play the role of Michael Scott here from this uh, legendary scene, okay? <clears throat> when I said that I wanted to have kids... And you said you wanted me to have a vasectomy. What did I do? And then, when you said you might want to have kids, and I wasn't sure who had the vasectomy reversed. And then, when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, who had it reversed back? Slip, snap, slip, snap, slip, snap. I did, I did. You have no idea the physical toll that three vasectomies can have on a person. That is sort of how... I guess I should talk to you guys about vasectomies later. There's more than one correlation here. It's kind of creepy. That is sort of how Pokemon fans feel, like myself, um, lately. You like Mega Evolutions? Now nah, we're taking those away. Snip! Pokemon follow you around on the screen? Oh, yeah, that's adorable. Nope. Snip! Oh, the Dexnav! Made Pokemon catching so fun and reduced all that post-game grind for the competitive scene. Snip! Oh, let's bring the Pokemon back so they can follow you around on the screen again because it's so adorable. Nope, let's get rid of that again. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. <sighs> Not to mention, uh, frustrations around the new Pokemon game have kind of led to this disgusting act of review bombing, which is actually the topic of today's show. Um, and despite these Pokemon ga games being really fantastic, they are getting crushed with this whole review bombing thing. And we thought that is a chomp cast topic that we need to delve into. Um, so we will ping pong off your responses via the at sword chomp, um, Instagram, uh, page that you left this week for the question of the week. Review bombing. How do we fix it? Is there anything we can do? We catch up with Shay, the professor on his time with the outer worlds and Pokemon. Um, cause he was gone last week. So for all of our new listeners, you'll get to meet Shay, I guess for the first time. Um, we preview the game awards because I have some fun things I want to say about that. I try really, really, really hard not to discuss Death Stranding. Poll topics round out the end of the show so you don't want to miss that. We will be discussing the death of Mega Evolutions, Sonic's new redesign for the film. Jedi Fallen Order is a game that Chomp Nation really wants us to play for some reason. And are gamers more attractive? All that and more. On this week's show. Woo! Woo! All right. Let's get right into it. Um, 
First up, Joshua Fowler here from Michigan, the one and only uh, Josh vasectomies. Topic of the week: How do you feel about a vas- <laughs> how do you feel about vasectomies? <laughs> pro or against? What do you mean pro or against? Well, I mean for you. Are you going to be getting one anytime soon? We got a couple probably kids, right? Anytime, yeah, I mean, probably not anytime soon, just because I don't need to currently. But yeah, have you and your Bro. wife had the the discussion like uh, we've hit our kid limit, or still kind of unsure if you um, have another one? No, we're a at the kid limit, and b also my wife has medical issues currently, so we won't be getting pregnant. Just can't. Um, Oh, would compli- yeah, yeah, yeah um, okay. from other complications there. So, having a baby's rough. It's a lot. There's a lot going on there. But you already have two, so it's plenty of kid. Mm-hmm. It's plenty of kids for a man. Um, Josh, I, I mean, real, really, he has three. He has three if uh, he considers you his third child, because he's constantly fixing your mistakes and errors and <laughs> helping you out. I would be the black sheep child. I would be the horrible child that <laughs> all the other kids have to suffer from. All my At least problems. you're self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm becoming self-aware, Shay. Um, yeah, so uh, glad you're here, Josh. And, you know, I know you were really busy this week, but you played a lot of Pokemon last week. And, of course, we got a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. So I only bring that up jokingly. By the way, this is General Mountain Time, Morgan from Montana, because my wife's been pushing me to get a vasectomy very badly. Um, because she doesn't want to have to get the tubes tied and a vasectomy is actually not that crazy. Apparently it's a, it's a, you know, an outpatient thing. You don't have to get put under anything. Just you know, snip, snip, snap. Even though Michael Scott had three of them, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seems like something you could do. So, yeah, if you get someone really talented, they can actually just kind of massage them around and tie them in a knot without, uh, <laughs> with their tongue, like a cherry stem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what all surgeons do. Yeah, just be, they're just tongue, be considerate they're beforehand just, and shave. <laughs> it's a party trick they learn. Yep, they're just tongue tying. <laughs> they're tongue tying your vast deferens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the cherry tie is always a nice party trick. Um, yes, yes, that is true. I'm th- I'm seriously thinking about that because because uh, my wife's supposed to be induced this this Sunday. So like, and you guys know me. I am not about condoms because I'm an idiot. So it's, it's not, you can't be trusted. Um, speaking of uh, vasectomies, uh, he has returned this week. The professor, we know him as Shay Layton, and you know, you'd think his premium lifetime membership to Tinder would come with one of those, uh, a free vasectomy on the house. Um, but I guess that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Because if you start having kids, you're not going to be on Tinder as much. You know, you're their biggest customer. What are we gonna do? That's true. That's true. I'm surprised they don't have sponsored vasectomies mm-hmm. uh, for for their <laughs> highest paying customers. Yeah, yeah. I almost got one when we lived in uh, in the south because, uh, um, yeah, like that's the only health care they cover for for poor people in the south. Is uh, they'll mm. they'll they'll sterilize they'll sterilize the poor with uh with no second thoughts. <laughs> Don't breed any more poor people, please. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the, the thought there. I mean uh, that, that's not my opinion. That is the thought. That's what I'm saying. No, that's that's um, that's North Carolina's official stance on the matter. <laughs> uh aye, aye, aye. Um 
shit. God damn it. I, something I was going to say that was kind of funny. Now I forgot it. No, but I, I know. I love the idea of like a dystopian future where like there's these fancy futuristic dating apps that you can get premium memberships to and they're lifetime members they want to get vasectomies for because they don't want you knocking somebody up and then not using their app anymore. I love that idea. Um, come blame Kojima for breaking my brain because now I think about that kind of stupid shit all the time. Mm. Um, you have uh, Norman Reedus. <laughs> Traveling the lands to deliver vasectomies. Uh, he's that's, just like he's a carrying all of his tools <laughs> on his back, and he just. How many tools is that? Just yeah. a clipper and a, a clipper and some alcohol. That's all you need, right? Some well, scissors you need, and you alcohol. You need a scalpel. You need. Yeah, well, yeah. You need some sterilizing yeah. equipment. No, you just need a. a yeah. Lot. Just a good pair of nail clippers, and then a bottle of whiskey for you, and a bottle of whiskey for the patient. <laughs> some leeches, some leeches to suck out the blood around the wound. Mm-hmm. It's like, infection. yeah, old-fashioned, old old-fashioned vasectomies. Bring them back. Um, no, he's man, on the, Norman he's on the is frontier. About- yeah, no, if it was old-fashioned model, you wouldn't need anybody's help. You just get a nice string and make sure it is tight every morning. Eventually, yeah, it'll true. just fall off. <laughs> just it just rotten mm-hmm. yeah you know that's actually if you think about it though norman reese is about bringing the country together so. <laughs> it's, she, she's just now time. getting the falling off part yeah it's like no, oh god the, the rotten description was like what the fuck is going on yeah i don't know well josh took it there i was just piggybacking off of that it was it took a dark twist um <laughs> literally uh <laughs> it really kind of did and then it was dead. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, glad you're back here, Shay. We have a lot to talk to you about. Thank uh, you. The professor, as we call him, or as Josh yeah. just typed in the chat, Shay vasectomy Layton. As <laughs> I did, I don't, I don't know. That's not, that's not true. Shay doesn't need a vasectomy because he's smart enough to use protection. So. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Know. By staying abstinent, kids. <laughs> <laughs> You almost thought my joke. I was gonna fake introduce fish and be like, and fish, you know, the Filipino Johnny Depp, um, the one and only, because you know, fish is taking a metaphorical vasectomy by just not having sex um at all. So who needs I thought you, I thought you were gonna say he's he's uh being abstinent from this podcast by being sick and in bed, but you know, that works too. No, no, no. I was just going to insult his sex life because that's the asshole thing to do. Fish is not here. Um, so we can say all sorts of terrible things without him. Um, Fish, as uh, sadly, if you're a Fish fan, I promise he'll be back next week or else we'll have an HR issue. Um, he has taken the, <laughs> he's taken the first official a sick day in Sword Chomp history, I think, um, from his own home job. So he's probably just yeah. sitting two feet yeah. away. Yeah, I'm I'm a little frustrated because uh, you know, as one of the four bosses here at Sword Chomp, I asked him to please uh have someone cover his shift, uh, because we are fairly shorthanded at Sword Chomp. We run a very tight ship here. Mm-hmm. And he did not cover his shift, so um he's definitely gonna be getting a write up. Perhaps a an office spanking. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. We just we like, at Sword like Chomp we do condone <laughs> Within our company, we condone a little bit of friendly employee sexual harassment amongst each other, the four of us. So, I mean, there's a little bit of butt touching here and there, but that's it. Yeah, we wrote it in. It's um, it's not really harassment if we're all kind of down for it. So, um, 
I mean, how was that? How did I what mean, you it, say was fine, but I said that, and you you gave me the face like. Ugh. I mean, it's still <laughs> sexual harassment. Well, you only said we condone a little sexual harassment here amongst each That's other. That's not true. We don't condone any her. Bleep this all out. I just want bleeps. I'm just kidding. We do- we don't yes, need to bleep. Here's the thing, dude. We'd all touch each other's asses if we all lived in the same place and we worked in the same studio office. Like if we were recording in the same place. We would all be just grabbing ass the whole time. I think Fish would be upset about that, though. I'd, I'd, ha- I'd have at l- bare he, minimum been... one numb hand right now. <laughs> he would be he would be knuckle deep in Fish's hiney with his thumb. Oh, that's what you think. He he needs to know, <laughs> know Fish as well as I do. Um, oh man. Anyways, uh, yes, we have a fun show today. Um, as you can tell, and but right before we get into, I do want to say this, um, because it is this is gonna be the last podcast I will do with two children. I will have three next week, um, and we had a couple, uh, really great shows of as of late. In fact, we had a show that popped into the iTunes charts for gaming, the top one hundred, which was pretty awesome for us and uh, for our Death Stranding show, among other things, and. So it's been a really incredible couple of weeks. Um, our fans have just been listeners and friends. Our community has been amazing. Um, even just seeing a lot of merch that people have been buying, uh, redbubble.com slash people slash swordchomp. If you want to buy some merch, swordchomp merch is hot right now and it looks awesome. So it's been really cool, but I bring this up because I've been thinking a lot about like these life changes and I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding, which I'm not allowed to talk about today, I guess, because we've talked a lot about it already. And at this point, I just don't want to get into spoilers, but I was thinking a lot about it because there's a little baby in that game that you sort of protect. And I have a little baby on the way and um, how, how like some of those themes were like really hitting home to me. I was like, man, we got for a topic of the show one day, we got to do like when you're playing a game at like a time in your life where it's just like, oh, this is too, this is too relevant to me right now. Like <laughs> I will literally be holding a baby that size in my hand in two days. Um, and like some of the themes they go with are tough. Like they're doing, they're doing some stuff with Doug and his spoilers that, that deal with infants and life and death and stuff that is rough. Um, but, uh, and like connecting people together, we're like, we are like, we're sort of like the strand podcast of, uh, you know, I'm trying to meet people all the time. We're the strand. We're the podcast of all. Of, let me rephrase that. We're huh. the strand podcast of podcasts. There we go. You know, bringing people together. It's all about community. Love. Pot of strand um, casts we are. Strand, strand, the strand cast. I can see Shay getting in there. I was going to say, I was going to say, and umbilical cords. We are about umbilical cords. Yes. Yes, that's true. I cut an umbilical cord. Because they're strands that connect us together. It's true. That's actually another one of those metaphors. See, people don't like that stuff. They don't like all the strand metaphors and the fact that umbilical cords are part of that. Like, people don't like Kojima for that stuff because they think it's too on the nose. Um, but, you know, some people just don't like. What? I just realized the other day, Josh, you're going to laugh at me. I just realized the cities were called Knot City. Like a knot. Oh, my goodness. Knot. No, no. You're not <laughs> just, just now realizing this. I did. I refuse to believe it. I haven't even played the, I haven't even played the game. And I recognized that immediately. I was like, God damn, how on the nose you have to be with that name. I didn't, I did not aren't, catch aren't the subtitles not on by default. Uh, like you knew they, that that was spelled with a K. <laughs> uh, yeah. The other day I was like, not <laughs> like, time you know, Josh, not, like <gasps> it is possible 
He did not know mm. that's how it was spelled. <laughs> Very possible. Man. Uh, but that that is going to be one of the funniest, spo- funnest spoiler shows we ever do. But we'll talk about it a little bit later with the, the Game Award preview. Um, I would be lying as we get into Pokemon here. I've been playing a lot more of that. than, po- But only because I didn't want to get distracted. And I knew when my baby was going to be born, I was going to be playing more Pokemon because like, I'll be in the living room and stuff probably a little more. So, you know, these longer games... Like, even if I'm into them, it's like, I got to chunk them out. Like, last night, it was up till 2 in the morning. It's like, these 30, 40-hour games are just, they're brutal. They're brutal. Hey, even They really are. Even if you like them, they're, they're brutal, man. Mm-hmm. But. They, they are. And, they, like, that's, that's, the, that's the tough part about the end of the years. It's always, like, peop, like, developers save the longest games, and they just pack them all in one month. They're like. Bro, I know you got to go to Thanksgiving and Christmas, but kind of fuck you. You're just going to play all these awesome RPG long ass games. <laughs> like fuck your family. Uh, You're playing games. That's right. Your family will understand. It's 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 yep. Thanksgiving. Well, just, I mean, when for people without family, Shay, remember like when it was Thanksgiving and you were a kid, you had all these days off. So I feel like for single people that have the holidays, it's great. It's like, you know, I could plow through a Final Fantasy game on a Thanksgiving weekend when I was 15. <laughs> Not so much. I got to tell you guys, like, Mm -hmm. off the air, a really, really, really funny Thanksgiving video game story. It's not one I'm comfortable telling on the podcast, but remind me after the podcast. I got to tell you guys a really funny video game. Yeah. Thanksgiving is, uh, that's my, uh, my board gaming holiday. So we, uh, smart. Oh yeah. You got all those people Generally around. You smart. can, you can, you can get out the games that you don't have enough people for the rest of the year. Um, it's true. You can, you can the, torture your games. extended family with Monopoly instead of you torturing your immediate Why would you? Because, because your immediate family still get printed. Your immediate family Who? doesn't deserve that. But the ex- extended family, like yeah. you, you, you constantly talk about the uncle who posts terrible shit on social media. So you just beat his ass mm-hmm. in Monopoly. Yeah. I I love how there's such... Eh, no, I'm, I'm not even... No, no. <laughs> I, will, I will say this. Everyone hates Scategories. that game. And that game Scategories, is... that's my jam. Not, I love Monopoly. Not, not dissimilar uh, from actual capitalism. But uh, yeah, it's true. It's just, somehow yeah, people it's haven't like, noticed that here in America. Some people have to like it because it's still around, you know? somebody out there likes it it's kind of like call of duty i know somebody it's must like name it recognition it still i mean sells. think about all the games that so. are still around that have been around forever that <laughs> you know. literally do nothing yeah. in like, well or like, like some people get them for collector's l- reasons like, like well like like snakes Death and ladders or like uh candy land hey. have been around forever <laughs> it's not a game you just take hey. turns rolling a dice there's there's it no is. decision making there it's like it's that takes war. a lot of skill, Josh. War. Think about how think about playing war. How many of you pl- have played war as a kid? Just sit there and play down a card at a time with exactly zero interaction you know, from anyone involved. <laughs> and you'll I think I think yeah. I speak on behalf of many people saying that I think it's very unfair that you are knocking uh shoots and ladders because I think it takes a lot of skill to pick up dice. There are many, many people in the world who don't have arms. And hands, and you're not even considering have, them in your but criticism. But have plenty, plenty of ladders. True. There's a lot of ladders in Death Stranding too. <laughs> oh fuck! 
Why did they? Why did they? Pull you had ladders, to make Josh? a terrible joke, and I had to make it worse. Why? What's you, wrong you with us, Shay? You, you made it a lot worse. Uh, could you explain to me, Josh? I don't get it. Why would there be a lot of ladders still? Because they can't climb them because they don't have arms. Why would there be a lot of ladders? That's that's the not city, not city guys. <laughs> Uh, we'll see how much of that makes it in. Uh, Anyways, uh, the topic of the show this week is interesting because it has to do with review bombing. And this is like kind of a newish thing over the past couple of years that I feel like has gained momentum. Uh, it's interesting. The idea of review bombing. And we have some good um, comments to play off of here. I'm doing the Metacritic for Pokemon Sword and Shield right now, which, although is a very respectable uh, critical Metacritic of 81, has a 4.1 from users and it was actually worse the other day um because it was bombed i would i should i should just grab one of those reviews and read it in my really good nerd voice later on as like the angry nerd um anyways the idea of this is interesting as for, for a topic because th- we're to the point now where people feel like the only way they can communicate with the developers by doing something like this with going to these massive sites in droves and just sort of abusing a system that's in place theoretically for the good of helping people purchase items consumers just in general so um that's sort of the gist of it so i will i will start grabbing some comments right here because we have a lot of good this is what man the comments this week were uh were explosive (laughs) Let me tell you that. Um, Because I was going off. People, one of the misconceptions this week, because this has nothing to do with the Death Stranding. This actually had to do with Pokemon. We started talking about reviews on on the website. Basically how we, I was talking about how I enjoy the multiple review format. Like when you get many people together to talk, right? You get uh, a bunch of different personalities, and the sort of single person review is a bit dated. Not to mention the numerical score system is a bit dated. and people were just going off on that, like the idea that all these sites are very dated and that they enjoy listening to contents or co- podcasts and websites where you get multiple reviews from people and multiple perspectives, um, which just makes the, the discourse more interesting. And something, something like IGN, where there's tons of people working there, right? But you'll get one guy who puts his review out, and that is the review for that game from mostly now until the end of time for the average consumer, so to speak. But... um. But that people were getting a little confused. This has to do with Pokemon and the review bombing, okay? So, let's jump right on into it with some comments, all right? <sighs> all right, so, how do we fix it? So, I want to know what you guys think. Basically, I asked them twofold. How do you fix it? How do you feel about it? What can we do? That kind of stuff. And I want to see how you guys feel. The first one, just to kick things off here, because I like to get a spark going. Daniel of DC, one of our passionate listeners, said, I think you fix it by getting rid of user scores entirely. It's a system that invites the mob mentality where there are little to no checks and balances. Steam at least has the system that shows playtime in the reviews as well as review trends, but I'm always dubious about random gamer reviews. I only trust about four reviewers in the world, and I mainly stick with them. Otherwise, I love the new subscriptions that allow me to try games with little financial consequence. Uh, I'm proud to be one of those four reviewers, Daniel. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> even though all we do is argue about Death Stranding and Red Dead, we're still good friends. Um, but no, that's a, that's a great, that's a great call. 
Uh, it's a great comment. Uh, anyways, how do you feel about that, Shay? Shay Layton. Yeah, sorry. I was laughing at something Josh said. That's privately. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you Josh s- you has sent- a podcast. It's a verbal art form. It he is. Sent us, it he is. sent us I a photo people. of s- someone downvoting Pan's Labyrinth uh, on what I assume is Amazon, and they wrote foreign language, but they spelled foreign F-O-R-I-N. So it says... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For misspelled language as well. Yeah, I didn't even see that. I missed that part. It doesn't help the case. That's God, damn it. I was, I was busy laughing about foreign that I didn't see the language. Language. Yeah, language. It gets better and better, language. right? <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Yeah. But, um... Can you ask the question again, Morgan? I got completely distracted. <laughs> Damn it, Josh! It was on the subject of review bombing. Uh, I just... I no, couldn't like, help myself. Okay. So, Daniel's saying it has to invites the mob mentality. He wants to get a user yeah. score... Get rid of user scores entirely. Because the system has no checks and balances, and he does applaud that Steam actually has a system that shows you playtime in yeah. reviews as well as review trends. So, um, but he's dubious about random gamer reviews. Thoughts? Okay, um, I have a lot of thoughts. I'll try and keep them as collated as possible, and I'll try and span them out. That way, I'm I'm not dominating the conversation. Uh, mm, one of the things is I somewhat agree with what he's saying about user review user reviews and them having a numerical value but i also or an arbitrary value like amazon does like five stars kind of thing i i feel like it's important to some regard to some degrees because whenever i'm shopping for something i look at reviews that's one of the first things i do and i look not at the five star not at the one star I look at generally the two to four range. And the reason why I do that yeah. is because, you know, you have you have those polar ends of the spectrum of people who are like, oh my God, it's the fucking yeah. best thing yeah. ever. Or, neither oh my neither God, of them have thought finished. about it at all, usually. Right, because there's no product out there that I feel should ever get five stars unless it's Fish's Sock. And I feel like there should be some level of realism in that kind of review. And so. Um, all seriousness now, it, with 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 those user reviews, I I feel like it gives me the ability to read what other people have said because in those comments, usually people talk about any issues they've had and how to fix them as well. You know, for example, mm-hmm. when I bought my wireless headphones, I'm going to bring this tangent around. I promise. Um, I was having some issues. <laughs> I went and read some reviews, and within the reviews, they actually had the solution in there. And my headphones work perfectly fine now. And, like, there are very useful, beneficial things for having numerical values to reviews. Now, how does this apply to games? Um, Daniel made a really good point that there's no checks and balances system with gaming reviews. And that leaves um, reviews open to being bombed, or to being uh, user bombed, whatever you want to call it. And... That yeah, there needs to be a checks and balances system there. Amazon at least has a somewhat decent checks and balances system by verifying if this person yeah. actually purchased the item or not. Um, now, how would they do that with gaming? I don't know. Maybe it's something as simple as when they do go to review the game, uh, they you know there's a 
disclaimer there. This person played 40 hours of this game. This person played two hours yeah, of the game. Yeah. There's got to be yeah. some Those kind are always of, my favorite Steam how... reviews. Like the one-star reviews where somebody's got, you know, 138 hours on a game. <laughs> and you're like, this game is just garbage. Like, really? Really, my man? You, 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 you put three work weeks yeah. into a garbage uh, game. That was right. my favorite and No Man's Sky there's... review. It was like their lead review had like 80 yeah. hours. I was like, uh, you don't like it, but just why did you play that much? And it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult to discount that, but I feel like that should be taken into account. Now, is, is yeah. am I gonna want a job like going into, you know, these programs like Steam or PlayStation Network or whatever, and looking through hundreds of reviews? Do I personally want that job? No. So I don't know how realistic that would be but there does need to be some kind of checks and balances system Um, if someone's bombing leaving a bunch of one-star reviews before a game has dropped or and they've put 10 hours into it or not 10 hours uh, like two hours into it then yeah it's got to be balanced in some way it's got to be removed in some way there's got to be a program that they can integrate yeah I, i i it's not foolproof but i think um Steam has an all-time review and recent um, reviews. That way, if something gets completely bombed, you'll see, like, oh, it's got, you know, like, 5% positive rating or something all-time, but you're like, but then everything past there is, like, mostly positive. You're like, oh, it, it got bombed at some point. Um, yeah, yeah. Or or it was broken, like, even if it was something... Something like that. No Man's um, Sky is a perfect example of that because their its recent review history is actually very positive, but mm-hmm. the initial reviews were nor not because it changed. So that's a, yeah, it's a good example. Yeah, I mean that's not that doesn't solve every problem because there are some yeah, you know, spiteful nerds out there with just all the time in the world to uh, to continue to post bad reviews. But I mean it's it's a step. Um, yeah, and I think Metacritic is actually moving to get rid of the reviews where people leave them before they've played the game. I, so I think that's mostly addressed. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Rotten Tomatoes oh, that recently that, yeah. did that with the yeah. whole disabling user reviews until after the movie came out. <laughs> how is that even an option? How, like, why, why was that ever an option? But yes, I think yeah. they, I think they recently did that, like within like the last year or so. <laughs> like, oh, maybe we should basic, not yeah. let people say what they think about this movie. Until they've seen this movie, or or at least have had the chance to see this movie, so I've read I've read from my local town reviewer who's pre seen a viewing of it, saying mm-hmm. it's absolute filth and garbage. Therefore, I've taken to the interwebs and yeah. I've gone on and I've downvoted this video. Yeah. Please do not let your children see it. Hmm. Yeah, like it's it's interesting. Like we've we've kind of you hit on it before. Um, not all ridiculously low star reviews are just there because somebody's not thought it through. Like there are there's still legitimately crap out there, and like um, more so on something like Amazon, Absolutely. something ungaming related. The one star reviews, even though they're generally useless, occasionally. If you see a lot of them compared to everything else, will will let you. If you just if you read the top rated low reviews, um, 
you can still find out stuff like don't buy from this buyer or um you know like this product is not what's actually on the page sort of stuff um like there's yeah. there's there's useful information out there from the bad reviews but i think i think the biggest thing is context like we've been saying on with everything else like you need to know a if this was um somebody who even even played the game bought the product whatever the situation was um and then and then b it the star reviews are way less important than the actual content once you get down to those low rankings because really i whether it was you know one or two stars i don't really care like there's no difference objectively but what the the reason they give for why they consider it so in such such low regard it is extremely important like why 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 are you saying this is extremely extremely important um, well, that's the tricky part with yeah. the scoring system, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what I asked people yesterday in a poll. If we got rid of the numerical scores, would people still take the time to leave user reviews? And it was split right down the middle, 50-50. Because I'm, I'm betting well, that yeah. it doesn't fix the problem completely because like Shay said, he he actually does value f- using those numerical scores like a star system or whatever to hunt down reviews that are beneficial to him. So that that's a very valid point. But I was just wondering if you know, the 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 content of the review review is not as detrimental, right? Because if you could only leave a review that's text that people have to read and think about, that doesn't show up in a negative score. Maybe that doesn't communicate back to the developer. The uh, there's a big, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like the idea in theory. In usability, it's less helpful because you can't. There's no sorting with a text review. Yeah. There's the no of the text. Uh, there's no don't show me any products lower than like a fifty percent or something. Um, yeah, how would you? Which I mean, it? grant yeah. for games is not as useful because generally it's an entertainment product. It's you're you're putting time in it to to find out if it speaks to you. Um, but on something like we said with you know outside of games, being able to find out if something just doesn't work, super important and some way to quickly like at least assess whether it's even worth your time to look at something is extremely helpful especially when you've got yeah i mean just pages and pages of results like you you look at um yeah just like any of the category pages or recent pages on like um like any any of the game storefronts there's so much on them these days, we talked about this before with the whole difficulty in finding indie games with so much coming out, which I think is a good problem to have. It means word of mouth is much more important. But also, if you don't have a good, you know, um, a good source for that sort of recommendation, there should still be some way to to kind of at least filter through it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's right. it's. Yeah, it's it it's not it's 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 a problem that doesn't really have a good solution because, for the most part, the number system almost works. It doesn't work well, but it almost works for what you want it to do. Like it, it it's right. It's it's a really shitty approximation of of what you're looking for is kind of what it boils down to. Uh, and so getting I rid think... of it is maybe not the solution, but 
Yeah. It's 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 difficult because I feel like what the in my mind, what I imagined originally a number system was kind of put in place or whatever arbitrary system is put there is kind of like a TLDR. And that was the like that's kind of in my mind the point of it. It's like well, I think a lot of people put too much stock on numbers and statistics. It's the same way with the NBA. I'm sorry I always bring up the NBA lately, but it's the same way. People look at all these stats and they're like, you know, like this player is not just fucking garbage, you know? And it's the same way with a lot of things like movies or games or books or CDs. Like people look at those numbers and they're like, oh, fucking absolute garbage. But they, the to me, the number system doesn't exist to be the end-all be-all. The number system exists to be a complement to whatever review it is that you're reading that number for and that's the tldr version so like Uh for example if i'm looking up a cd that just dropped recently um i'm gonna go read the review but let's say i'm reading some of it and then i'm like all right um you know i i don't want to read anymore because i don't want to get this person's opinions and then apply those opinions i just read to the cd and alter yeah. my idea of what this is going how this is going to influence and yeah. impact me i'll go down and just look at the number and i'll be like okay i'll keep that number in mind and see you know like this reviewer that maybe i do or don't trust very much see how that stacks up with my number but then once i have listened to that maybe i'll go back to that review and then i'll read that in depth um, lengthy discussion of what they thought, and I'll be like, okay, my my some of my thoughts and opinions lined up here. Some of them didn't here. Maybe I would have given this a higher score or a lower score. But mm-hmm. the content of the review is the more important thing there to me, less so than the number. And I feel like we've kind of lost that along the way somewhere because numbers are easier to just it's, look at yeah. and be like, okay, this is what it's, this is. It's There's the goal the instead right of there. a byproduct. Yeah. Well, that's right. the point. That's why, it, unfortunately, that's kind of why it's it's getting abused. I think is like you said, you can't really get rid of it because the numerical system helps sort it, and that's yeah, why yeah. it's smart to abuse it. Exactly. Like, um, it's, yeah, mm. it's it's that's why that's why that's why we can't get rid of. It. That's why review bombing is still a thing. They can't. There isn't. <laughs> there is not an easy solution right I, now. Well, um, yeah, I mean, well, it's not that there isn't a, an easy solution. It's just that there's not the solution is not just to get rid of the numbers which we have because of just the format like it we're not we're not out there to help you quickly get you know sort through your games on you know whatever storefront you're on and be part of the big metacritic number um well well that's what I don't get Josh like so. why why does something like metacritic even need- Need this isn't a slamming. It's people. Why does that need user reviews? I get Amazon if you're going to buy, uh, like if Shay wants to buy. He was giving a very specific example about like headphones. I, That's different. Exactly. That's a product, right? Metacritic. They've already taken time to assemble hundreds of reviews for you. Like, why do you need to read a hundred other reviews? Yeah, from, I know, don't. I, I don't think the aggregate sites should have user reviews on them. I don't think it serves any purpose on them. Um, I think user reviews should be on each storefront because especially for something like games they're gonna have i mean this is one of the reasons that um i don't even know i don't even use metacritic i use game rankings because they have everything separated by platform which 
Yeah, um, I used to use game rankings a lot too. I feel like they're not getting as much notice yeah, I, these days. Exactly, I think Less because review. they're not as big, the the review bombing doesn't go as south as quickly. Um, yeah. But but also because it see, keeps platforms separate. Um, those user you can't review, review bomb them all at the same exactly. time. Exactly, the reviews, the user reviews end up being more helpful because if there's a platform specific issue, like okay, this is a great game, but it runs like just absolute garbage on this platform, or it's got a it's got a, a fatal crash, like it it just blue screens on this thing. That yeah. sort of information is useful on a platform by platform basis, but means exactly nothing for the overall. Is this a good game? Yeah. Big Metacritic number. Um, well, that's a huge distinction score, we should make. So. I think this is mostly in regards to aggregate sites because they get the bombing that gets the most attention. Mm-hmm. I agree that you could go bomb like the PlayStation Store and stuff like that if you really don't like the game. But most of the time, oddly enough, you see the bombing, the review bombs happening at these aggregate sites, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, stuff like that, which is interesting because. They're the ones that already have the critical scores. It's almost like a war with the critics. Like we want, and and it's interesting because they want to show you that right there. These are what re- I don't like the distinction. These are what regular people say, and these are what critics say. Because it's like, okay, you're saying there's already yeah. a distinction there. Like, what you, if I read further into that? Then I should I imply my own ideas about what makes that distinction it's, important? It's a well, also, it's a strange thing too, because like. People who don't know what they're talking about love this. <laughs> what? Yeah. How? How is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and that's not even a slam on the the critical side of things. You're talking about the about the users. Yeah. But like, yeah. yeah, it makes you feel like yes. Oh, these people aren't professionals. They say it's great, but these people are the critics, and they say it's bad. Like, why do you want to look at the, what help is that to look at that way? Because then you have to go into some sort of bias and be like, well, critics, I don't trust them. So then there's all these other layers that are yeah. fogging it up. Um. Matt DBG said, I just ignore them. It's blatantly obvious when reviews are bombs, so either look at the critic score or scroll through the user reviews and read some obviously legit ones. I think, yes. Um, he said, you literally can never stop people from being petty fuckwits. I do like the term petty fuckwits, even though Josh left. I thought he'd appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's hard because a lot of games... A lot of everything is depend so dependent on those numbers, unfortunately, which I think it's difficult. I mean, even this podcast, like you said at the beginning of our podcast, please go rate us on iTunes so more people can discover us. And it's 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 a necessary evil at this point. And I feel like reviews the reviews that should be given more credence, more of a look at are the ones that EA have something to say. It isn't just a number and it isn't just a trashing. Um, B isn't trying to be this like pretentious review of like, mm, indeed the, uh, the, at the third chapter of this game, there was a slight, uh, disillusionment or something, you know, like some kind of like pretentious bullshit going on in the review because anytime those i'm reading a review and it seems overly pretentious i'm immediately off of it but i feel like there needs to be some some kind of uh understanding like that there is some value there like especially if it's someone like you trust like for us like there are people who trust us 
at, to some degree for some weird reason that uh, when we're <laughs> right. reviewing games that or when we're talking about games, we are actually passionate about it. We're trying our best. You know, we don't have an ulterior motive. We just we want to share our passion. And through that, we've cultivated some sort of trust there. And this isn't here. This isn't me trying to sit here and like prop us up and just like jerk off my own dick for everyone else to see. This is me simply saying that I'm aware of like the that. fact they can they yeah, can see sure. it more easily once it's been jerked off. <laughs> kind of hold it up, wave it at them. Been... It looks just like a like you know when you take a meat masher to some beef and it's just laying there on your cutting oh, board. No. But anyways, um I'm just trying to be self-aware here that like I understand that there is a lot of value and merit in when you're reading a review or you're listening to a review. It's by someone you trust, and you've built that trust over yeah. time. Well, or, yes, or you understand them. So, like, for example, if I listen to Giant Bomb and Jeff Gersman says he hates something, I'm like, I'll probably like it. Because usually if he hates something, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, right. sometimes there's value in knowing those things. Um, right. Although now I can't get exactly um, Shay the Meat Masher out of my head. Hmm. Um, <laughs> BME Pain Olympics, sore chomp. <laughs> Gilbeezy kids, if you don't know what that is, don't look it up. (laughs) Don't look it up. Don't look up BME Pain Olympics. Do not, under any circumstance, look up BME Pain Olympics. Don't do it. As a D-list internet celebrity, so Hmm. Um, (laughs) at least it isn't to the F list because he ain't getting fucked. Oh, how about that fish? How about that? Oh, you're not here to defend yourself. Eat a dick. Gil Beasy Skit said, it's, <laughs> it's hard to say that um, it's being abused. The average person disagreeing with professional reviews is nothing new. And just because one person likes a game doesn't mean that they can say that any um, hating is wrong. Uh, it's like The Last Jedi. Plenty of people, myself included, hated it, but poor user reviews were all blamed on Russian trolls and bots. If you remove the average person's voice, then all that's left are the reviews from professional sources, which may or may not be trustworthy, or at the very might, uh, at the very least, might not be a good way of telling you something is for you. Now that's tricky though, because like I, I always thought the idea of having professional critics was <sighs> that you were going to get people with a little more riding on their opinion. And that doesn't mean you'll agree with it, but I always like the idea that there was more at stake, more of a reputation. You know, these people you like to think are passionate and they care about that opinion a lot. And then those are funneled into a segment of views, whether you agree with them or not. And that has always been, um, my, my opinion there, but yes, it is. It is dicey as we, I think we address some of this stuff. Gilby's mentioned that actually at the beginning of the beginning of the show. Um, I think what happens with a lot of user reviews is that people can make these impulsive, uh, reviews about games and you don't know what's backing it up. At least, you know, whether I'm disagree with the guy at IGN or not about so-and-so game, he has to back that up forever. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's, that's his, that's his career. I, I think, I think like if you give anything lower than like a two so like if you're giving a game or anything if you're giving something like a a one or a two out of ten they should not actually post the review until you check back with them a week later and and the same thing with a nine or a ten like if you're giving something either end of the spectrum they're like really do you you actually mean that check back with us in a week and and see if you actually still mean this um 
Right, right. I mean, exactly. Like, I honestly, the ten point numerical scare in general sucks. That's why Shay was mentioning yeah. the five star system is easier. Like, yeah. ten. Come on, if you're a user review site, at least knock it down to five yeah. stars or something up down. Like, I, I give Steam credit because they are actually they don't they know it's not a perfect solution, but Steam is trying to honor the people that are playing these games. They're saying these people care about the games. They spend a lot of time with them. They want to write intellectual reviews, and at least they're trying their best to funnel that. And even though I'm not a PC gamer, I don't really use steam that often. I do respect that Avenue. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's showing an attempt there without just shutting everyone up. I don't really believe like you guys do the aggregate sites need both. I think it's silly, but steam is a little different because it's a good, it's a site where you go to purchase products. It's a purchase based review system. So it gets a little trickier there. And it, because it's become a little larger than they're selling them, they've got like, Yes. Again, like like we said, the whole the guarantee that this person has at least bought the game, and and in Steam's case, they have statistics about whether you played it. So it's well, just, and th- yeah, and think about this, Josh. Like, let's say Steam is like, okay, this No Man's Sky game is getting good reviews now. I don't want people to look at these old reviews and not buy it because what they lose money, right? Steam gets money from those purchases as they have like a double. Um, they have like their they have like their hand right in both sides. If you think about it, they want the consumers to have a voice, but if the voice is bad, it's going to hurt their sales potentially too. So they have to find a balance. It would be interesting to see, and I obviously this would not be economically viable for a lot of these review sites, mm-hmm. but it would be cool if people would go back and re-review games. Like, so mm-hmm. like let's say I play No Man's Sky. Uh, this is a perfect example, I think, in my mind. Uh, I play No Man's Sky when it first came out, and I was not high on it. I was like, look, it didn't live up to the promises it made, blah, blah, blah. And then I just gave it a really low uh, review score. And then uh, the whatever review company I work for is like, hey, we'd like you to go back now a year later, re-review this game, consider your original review, you don't have to necessarily revise that original view because that was a different game that existed before all the updates, all the patches, all the additional content that was released and re-review this game considering all those things that have been added. And then you kind of get a more, uh, like th- there's more clarity there, there of the bigger picture of how a game has evolved. And I think that's such an important thing for games that are coming out right now. Because games completely change from when they're first released to mm-hmm. now because of all the updates, mm-hmm. all the additional yeah. content that's added, all the patches. And it's I think you're absolutely right. It's completely unfair to look at a review for a game that's come out like at the very base level without considering any updates, without considering any of that stuff, and be like, this review is completely applicable to the game that's being played now i think that's insane like yeah. especially because of the what the the where gaming is at now it's constantly mm-hmm. changing every I mean, game is constantly uh, changing exactly i mean something oddly enough going the opposite direction i think morgan and i both really enjoyed our time with anthem when it came out it looked like they had a good roadmap for future content that they were going to keep pushing and then I mean, other than the just, you know, absolute scummy monetization they had in the game, we didn't really have any issues. But then because, you know, the audience wasn't there, 
they weren't continuing to make money off of all those scummy transactions they had in there. They just scrapped all their plans for future content, like the game is dead. After the fact, it'd be a good thing to know that, going into it now, that this live service, you know, loot grind game is not going to have any more updates. There's not going to be, you know, a bunch of different seasons. It's not, it's not going to be the next Destiny. The game is dead. None of that was information anyone had whenever the first wave of reviews came out. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and Anthem's okay. I still hear about Anthem occasionally to this day, and I'm always like, "Look, I thought Anthem was fine. Mm-hmm. It, it it was gorgeous. Like the the feeling of flying in that world was great, yeah. and it was fine. Like I didn't it didn't blow me away, but I you know I enjoyed my time with like the ten to fifteen hours I put into the campaign. I thought it was fine. I'm yeah. not saying it's game of the year stuff mm-hmm. at all. It was fine. I enjoyed it. But yes, that thing took a beating. Uh, it really did, and I don't remember if yeah, that was review wanna- bombed or not though. I wonder. You want to you want to know something? I don't think so much about the review bombing, but I think it. Sorry, (laughs) there there was a bit of that because this was a, you know, one more, one more game that just had stupid, stupid monetization systems in there that people were just tired of whenever it finally came out. Um, Well, and bad stuff they fixed, like that horrible quest system. You know, I didn't like with the uh, the crypt part or whatever the tomb part. Yeah, that a lot of people were pissed off, including me. They fixed that. (laughs) They changed the way it it. tracked a lot of that stuff, so you could tell what was happening. Um, Yeah, but anyway, Shane, I'm I'm sorry. What were you saying? Really quick, really quickly. Yeah, it's funny that you guys mentioned that because there was an article that was dropped a few days ago um, on Kotaku talking about how the uh, developers have stated that they are completely overhauling the game. And that's a big reason why they dropped a lot oh, of the wow. additional content I that they that. had originally planned. And it it's supposedly oh. going to be dubbed Anthem 2.0. And they haven't um, given a timetable for future release, but they're talking about completely overhauling the game because they realize So they might try like of... the Final Fantasy 14 thing where they just try again. They could try Probably. it. I mean, it, that worked... 100% with Final Fantasy 14. That was just a copy-pasta no mess Man's when it Sky. first came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, I, 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 I don't like, know hey, how look, it's going to work like no as Man's much Sky with when it Anthem. Came out, so. just since, again, the only reason they do this is if they thought they could rope people into buying their ridiculous crap for no reason. I mean, we didn't talk about this a lot when we were playing Borderlands, wasn't it nice to just get a cosmetic drop every now and then? Like, hey, I'm playing this game. Yes. I've got a new skin. I've not seen one of those that I've not had to pay for in the last 10 years. And I (laughs) got one in Borderlands 3. Like, it's a first-person shooter, but yes. Yeah, Yeah. I like the idea of it. Like, all all the stuff that we're just used to paying for now. Like, maybe we don't need to pay for this shit. Like, maybe we could just buy a video game. Um, Well... Yeah, I, I blame League of Legends for that, I, that whole mm-hmm. skin stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I remember that tangential. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reeve, Matt, <laughs> I wanted to give him a shout out. One of our uh, patrons and friends who actually was rocking the sword chomp uh, phone case with is Lady Crumpy, who was rocking a sword chomp hoodie, and I put those up on the. Uh, Instagram page today. I read Matt said maybe it would um, help getting rid of the overall score aspect and only allow written reviews that either show thumbs up or thumbs down to represent their thoughts, but not affect an overall score. I like reading through both positive and negative reviews to help get a grander picture of a game 
as a whole from different perspectives. Critic reviews don't always go into the controversies involved around a certain game, while user reviews are more than happy to shove the information in your face. Um, yeah. And podcasts are great, too. Find a good podcast. Because don't, you, don't, you don't get a lot of scores usually from podcasts. You just get discourse and personalities. And I still think there's going to be games that it's just never going to be helpful. Like, things like Death Stranding, maybe, I guess. It's bizarre. You know pe- like, you get these weird games and, like... I don't think any like, review you gave Death Stranding would make any fucking sense. It's a bizarre game. You're either going to love it or hate it. And like, yeah, if we could say it's broken or not, it's not broken. The game works just fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's still a weird fucking game. I mean, it's... Yeah, um, yeah I mean, the, the, the high and the, the lows and the lows and the highs yeah. and the highs in that game are so weird that like, even me, I've been... We've been doing this podcast for a long time, right? I am that game literally just confounds me to this day. That's probably why I'm also so interested in it. I love it, but there's also things I don't like about it, but I can't stop thinking about it because it defies logical yeah. representation sometimes. Yeah, and a <laughs> so lot of how, games do that. Like a lot of a lot more of the, now, more, yes. Like yes. you absolutely love Deadly Premonition. I fucking hated it because it was broken. That was that was just a broken game with, you know, messes all over the place that they hadn't cleaned up yet. Yes, um, the gameplay in particular is rough. Yeah. I felt like I got that across in our discussion of it between the two of us talking. Yeah. It's a really weird game. You can probably find it for almost nothing at this point. So it's it's absolutely worth going and playing, even though I didn't really like it because it was so broken. Yeah. Because it's well, just the funny it's so thing fucking is, weird. When so. people come to me about games like Deadly Premonition, because I'm always like, look, I played that game, God, how many years ago did that have been? Ten years ago? And... It was rough. It was like the little game that could at the time. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't even know what the fuck it would feel like to play that now. So the, I'm like, they're like, should I recommend this now? And I'm really enough. I'm like, no, I have no fucking idea what I would like in, about that game now. It was a different time. Like jank then it was felt different. It was like fallout jank back in the day. You know, it was relative to the time. So there's all these gray areas like with no man's sky i'm like no it was far from a perfect game it had problems but there was nothing else out there like it so i fell in love with it there's all these factors that are interesting that i think that are important important to point out um Mm -hmm. and a lot of times i think the review scene gets a little well look this is not supposed to morph into reviews it's about about the idea of the bombing go ahead well sorry i was getting farther into the whole review thing but i was dragging you yeah yeah, um, yeah i'm sorry with the whole, like you're, like you're saying, whether you recommend something now, a lot of it depends on what you're looking for in an older game. Because a lot of older games have been improved upon and improved upon to this day. Like, there are better versions of some of these older games that have come out. Yeah. But they weren't the first one. And sometimes it's worth seeing what the first one was like. It, it's Not everyone gives a shit. So, like, yeah. what do you well, want like, out of it? Yes. So. Yes. Well, that's, yes, yeah, that's the funny thing, like, that, there's a Pokemon game I'll bring up later that has one of the, my favorite systems ever introduced in my life called the DexNav, and the cool thing about it was on the 3DS, remember it had that bottom screen? Mm-hmm. They utilized that in a really interesting way that made Pokemon catching fun. They can't really do that anymore because, the, obviously, the Switch doesn't have two screens, but... I don't know if I'd want to go back and play that game so much because when I did go back and play a couple years ago, I was like, man, this game looks old as fuck now. <laughs> and like at the time, obviously, it didn't, right? Yeah, well, but, that, it's not that they've so much removed. Um, yes, it's removed, but they've also done something completely different with it. Like, you could just see Pokemon in the world in this new one. And that kind of fulfills a very, very similar function in a lot of ways. Not the same, well, but... 
sort of but like it yes it's it it's does make it easier to find what you're looking for uh in in a similar function so um alexander mosier said there's nothing you can do about review bombing except encouraging individuals to shame people they know who do it shame on you mr review bomber out there um <laughs> i don't know how much you could shame someone who's review bombing pokemon how does your life go so wrong they can argue- that you're personally offended by a children's game know. enough to go review bomb it how- snip snap snip snap Re- i know i'm telling who- you who does that and is then also capable of shame? Well, I agree with you on the shame part, but uh, <laughs> the children's game part, maybe not. Basically, <laughs> basically, Josh is saying, how can you live with yourself? Yeah, how do you sleep at night? Um, <laughs> how do you sleep at night? Sick fuck. Uh, no, there's, there's truth. In it. I was trying to find a Pokemon metaphor to pull in there, but I couldn't do it quick enough. Uh, I was trying to like, I was trying to think, is there a pillow Pokemon? <laughs> How do you lay your head on a sub? But yeah, weirdly enough, there's no pillow Pokemon yet. So, there's oh a well. Pillow swine. Snorlax is close enough. But, <laughs> but he's not really a pillow. He's just a fluffy pig. Uh, it's like a mammoth. He's a mm. mammoth thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, he turns into a mammoth swine. So, uh-huh. um, but you're right. Its first form is like a snouty little pig. Um, kind of looks like my Shih Tzu when I don't ever, when I don't give it a haircut. Um, so yeah, there's, look, I do kind of blow these off, but I thought it was a fun thing to talk about because there is, I don't know about the value of user reviews. I know that real, like critical, re- <laughs> that sounds fucked up. I don't mean real critical. I know critical reviews affect publishers in ways where if they don't hit certain meta scores and stuff, and it 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 can affect yeah. like, um, yeah. and again, that's contractual stuff like, oh, we get bonuses, but there's a lot of hard people that, a lot of people that work really hard on these games. So the, I think to just bomb it out there to me is the reason it's disgusting to me is it because there are a lot of people that work really hard in these games and this pokemon game is a fantastic fantastic game it's just did i say all those hard people is that what i said yes but oh damn it i'd give you crap about it but i'm having lots of fun thinking about all those hard people now (laughs) all those hard people working on pokemon they're just so hard all the time um Game much harder now that it's not a boner free zone they all have boners as they're walking around the office Well, I mean, they're designing those ladies around, so can't blame them. So yeah, it's like, I just think the act of rebombing is very, I I get the shitty thing is I get the sentiment behind it, which is the only way we can communicate with developers to do this thing. It's going to make an article in Kotaku or this and that, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's a message they want to send, but I feel like it's just disingenuous to the product as a whole, obviously. And that's why I personally am against it. Even even as someone who's frustrated with a lot of the things they do. I am the consummate fan, as I mentioned in this intro, of someone who's been burned by a lot of Pokemon decisions. You know what? That's something we'll talk about in a little bit. I still think review bombing is gross. Because I don't think that this game is a two or a three. That's, that's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Um, they're just, it's tough when there's not a good way to get your message across. And maybe Game Freak just doesn't care. It's their prerogative, I guess. I'm not going to impose my own. Who knows? I'd like to think they care about their fans and they care about Pokemon more than most people. We're not in their shoes, right? But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they are making decisions they feel like are the best to make. So <sighs> now I'm just kind of playing both sides. It's tough, you know? It, it really is. But I, in general, I do think review bombing is gross, obviously. But then again, it isn't tough, you know? Mm. 
play. Let's play. Let's dance around it all day. Um, I guess I, all I was trying to say is I get the sentiment. Okay, last one here. T Jenks forty seven said, "I do not see an easy solution. The only possible one I can think of is allowing people who have purchased the game to make reviews only. But how do we do that?" As to what I think, well, Steam can do it, but for other places, it's more difficult, right? I think people need to grow up and get over it. I'm not talking about the reviewers. There are people who review bomb movies because they don't like the messages setting forth, which has been happening a lot more recently. And then there are journalists who do the same thing, probably subconsciously even. That's fair, too. Except not a review bomb, but more so a professional opinion that often is a louder voice than your typical viewer because they have a large following. Review. So how do you feel about that? There's, there's truth there, I think, for sure. Oh, great. So, no follow-up. Sorry. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Um, I guess I was just trying to... It it was a very long comment. I can keep reading it if you want. Well, you you, you agreed, but there was so much there to agree with. I'm like, do I? Because there were so so many things going on there. I'm like, like, I don't know if I want to just give a simple agree. (laughs) Like, that's, that's just too big. Too big for a yes or no. So... I, I was agreeing with the idea there are also journalists who you respect that still have a platform to... Like Joker did a lot of that stuff where people were reviewing Joker and they they saw this incel stuff in there that I've seen in the movie and I objectively just don't see any of that or agree with that. But there's people that believe that's there and that it was somehow giving uh, a voice to this incel nation or whatever and they were using their review platforms to to make that known. So that is using their platform to do that. Um, so I think that's sort of what T. Jenks was getting. Sorry, Shay, go ahead. I. No, I was going to say, I think it's dangerous to kind of limit. Like, and I, and I know this isn't what you or he is talking about. Or you and he are talking about, rather. <clears throat> you and he is? You and he, wait. He is. <laughs> Us. You, we are. all is. We oh, all is. I was going to say are. I thought so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you, you, you. But anyways, uh, I think there there shouldn't be a regulation on necessarily the content of an, a review itself because that that becomes dangerous because like some people are interpreting that um that movie as, specifically that example as um some incel tendencies and you know what are they wrong no because that's their opinion that's their interpretation of the art form and we talked about it a few weeks ago about art and um how it's interpreted and so to limit what people can say in reviews based off that would be dangerous i think i think that'd be poor form and i don't i i wouldn't appreciate that at all but uh in terms of review bombs for people just to be like incel bullshit one star and then review review bombing or for pokemon reusing previous ads assets one star i think that's like there's no content there to actually formulate a coherent review off of and yeah it's it's dangerous that that is dangerous uh yes i think it would be more dangerous to prevent people from um it would be more dangerous to prevent people or limit what people say in reviews i guess yes. is what i'm trying to yeah. say you don't want to. You don't want to stifle. Right, right. Um, you you, you don't want to limit. Yeah. Like, it's not, you don't want to limit free speech. It's it's not so much about that. It's more about limiting uh, interpretations of art forms because when we consider different viewpoints, we grow as people. We 
fine-tune our own opinions, we learn more about ourselves. So to stifle any kind of uh, free conversation and interpretation from that, I think is very dangerous. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, I would just say as sort of a closing sentiment here, unless you guys have something else as well, I don't mean this as like a closing close, just for me. If people, I would implore people to really take the time to, if you're going to use a user review to, you know, make it genuine and, and put some thought into the thing. But on a, on a greater scale, yes, with the aggregate sites, I don't think there's any value in the user reviews. Not because I don't think user reviews are worth more or less. I don't want to get into that. The aggregate site already exists for one reason, to put a bunch of reviews in one place. It's already there. You don't need to separate, you know, critics and regular people. There's no value to that system anymore. You're already collecting reviews. If it's a place where they sell products like Steam, I understand why you have to be there and they need to just do a better job like Steam is doing. So that's my personal stance. What? What are you confused about? You said you shouldn't separate critic and user reviews? I, I don't think aggregate sites should have um, user reviews. Okay, all right. That, all right, that makes more sense. It sounded like you're saying you should just put them together, which... Just mash them all together. Yeah, which, making which a shit show. means critics <laughs> don't have any say. It's like it's the same thing as just getting rid of the critic reviews. Well, although that's a funny idea, yeah. Josh. They No, everybody gets a say, but it's the same, po- it's the same pool, yeah. which, which they would be... Critics would be outnumbered at that point because you'd have 90 critics and mm-hmm. 2,000 user reviews, right? Yeah. So the numbers would just break it. Well, that would just do away with that profession in general. People would be like, why would I be a (laughs) professional critic at that point? (laughs) Why? But the the one thing I will say, and it's kind of expounding a little bit bit upon what you're saying, is that, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously in a perfect world, in a utopian society, we would all have integrity when we reviewed things, whether it's product, whether it's art form, anything. Unfortunately, yeah. it's never that simple. Uh, like like you alluded to and you explicitly said, how things are interpreted and understood and felt through all, it depends on so many different things, so many different factors at any given point. And to try and account for all those factors is damn near impossible. I'm sure statistically it's possible, but it's damn near impossible to try and account for every factor when you consider a review. So you as a person, or me as a person, um, when we do reviews, it's I think it would behoove us to do it from a standpoint of, you know, like Josh said, give it some time, some separation, and view it honestly. And I think that's the most important thing there, whether it's you're reviewing something negatively or positively, and just going forward with that mindset of, you know, my review, it may not be the end-all be-all for anything, but other people are going to see this, and to do your best to leave some level of integrity within that review whether you're a professional critic or whether you're just some Joe Schmo in the middle of nowhere reviewing whatever product it is or whatever art form it is you are reviewing. Uh, just, you don't have to be perfect. There's yeah. not like this added pressure on it. Just doing yeah, the best of your it's ability. It's interesting. Like it, it doesn't solve the problem, but I was thinking about the whole 
like how helpful is a review sort of thing that they have on like Amazon or something. That's just, and it's adding an extra review to the reviews. So it's not like it really <laughs> solves the problem. I'm review this review. review. But, but occasionally how? it's helpful whenever you get like some Reviewing idiot complaining about something that literally no one else has a problem with or, yeah. or vice versa. Like, okay, right. I had this exact same problem. Um, like it, it, that's not the fix for everything, but, um, I do like the idea that someone's reviewing. I think there's some, yeah. Um, I think I think there's some merit to that, though. You know, you have someone come in and they're like, you know, No Man's Sky, and I'm sorry, I'm using this. This is what No Man's Sky is actually a great example for a lot of stuff we're talking about. But they're like, you know, just they're doing a lot of things there that are based in physics and biology. And let me be honest with you, it's it's not at all real life scenario. Let me tell you how. Mm-hmm. Well. If you have a downvoting of a review system, a review of a review, then you can have people come in there and be like, no, this is not helpful. Here's why. It actually has a, a lot of merit. They, there's been a lot of work put in. Mm-hmm. And bio, biologically, they do a lot of research, and it actually is pretty damn close to being factually accurate. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's, there's a perfect example of why a review of a, of a review is important you know you have people who mm-hmm. are pretending to be experts in this field they're not and then you have people who actually are experts and i understand on the flip side of that you have you can get it the other way around experts yeah. and yeah yeah mm-hmm. i get it i get it but it, yeah. there's it's never going to be a solution f- but there's never generally a solution. nobody has well i'm not gonna there are idiots everywhere but like there nobody's going around looking for positive reviews of something to then you know give a negative review of that like it's just it's just too much effort um right i mean yeah and if you stay tuned to our next podcast we will review the reviews of user reviews so there you go that's right that's that's what we're doing we are going to review your <laughs> itunes ratings of us that is the topic for the next show <laughs> and they better be five stars or better or you'll kill us. That's the fucked up thing about reviews that it can be. I mean, luckily our listeners have been great and we put a lot of work into our show. So we're proud of our reviews. But like, if you're a podcast that gets bad reviews, you're, that could kill you. That could actually kill you in our market because obviously, you know, if you're putting a bad actually show, is not the right word there. Actually and literally are not the two words. Granted, you didn't say literally, but hmm. you should not be using those words. I will not physically cease to exist you will kill our podcast you will not kill us <laughs> it will kill you it's part of me shay you kill sword chomp that you kill part me of my soul will wither and die away right fish how do you feel about that that's great thank you all right it's about the input we normally get so <laughs> I feel bad for laughing at that. Oh god. <laughs> we love you, fish. Um I think so. Anyways, that an uh, interesting topic to discuss, a little bit of a uh, a lot of interesting angles there to and I think we sort of came out of the other side there, especially when it comes to aggregate sites. I think at least we all agree on deck here that the aggregate site exists for critical reviews. It's probably all you need. That doesn't mean we don't think there isn't value in the user reviews, but that's kind of the point of the site already, right? So, um, 
right, let's talk a little bit of Pokemon here. And I do want to say again, if you like what we do and you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash swordchomp. We have all sorts of tiers. $5 tier for a top secret VIP Instagram page with all sorts of secret videos and pictures and inside jokes that makes the podcast even better. Of course, mm. we have a new $10 tier. I don't know, ugh, mm. It's usually for the hardcore, but you can get access to extra podcasts, more podcasts to make your day better, including a fun radio, Pokemon radio show I did um, where I took fake phone calls. Um, yep. And say, I see most importantly, mm-hmm. we have human tears on the Patreon from the hours we work on this content to create for you. We bottle it up and we sell it. Human tears. How much? What's the human tier tier? Um, that is a nice swift two dollars. Okay. Yeah, that's all they're worth. I think that's now, reasonable. I, I mean, like they're all taken. They're all taken from fish. They're all fish's tears. They're not ours. Fish is a husk. He doesn't cry. Let's be honest. <laughs> husk don't cry. What's it's dead true. may never die again. That's um, true. That's what. <laughs> but I cry. We were taking that Game of Thrones thing the other day, me and him. Talking about what's husk? What husk may never die because it's yeah, unless you burn it because yeah, they're dry. I mean, that could also be realistically that could be a um, a Mass Effect reference as well. That's true. Yeah, what would I, I like? His signal is his sigil is just like a husk. I don't know how you'd represent true. that because a corn husk just doesn't seem doesn't seem like you get across what I want. Get across. Corn Anyways, uh, ten. <laughs> don't know uh second sports reference of the day uh but yes uh and fish will be here normally again he said corn husker in nebraska you know uh, <laughs> i know it's not the only kind of break here um and yeah now we've really gone off track um so let's talk some pokemon this is usually when we get off track i just just insult fish. That's my go-to move. So I can't insult fish today. I have to pretend. That's your transition. That's that's yeah. that is your like trying you're trying so to lazy watch you get from one topic to another without having fish to insult on your way there has been just magical. It's true. I'm surprised fish hasn't picked up on this all. yet. <laughs> he does have some value after all. Holy shit. Who yeah, thought? just think, just think if he ever hopefully I hope this never happens. I said a lot of hopefullys, but I hope he never quits. <laughs> you literally hopefully did, hope this never happens, actually. Right. Yes. I'm in hope of it. But you would actually <laughs> have to write real transitions, Morgan. It's kind of a scary uh, thought. I don't like transitions. I like natural conversation. Speaking of natural conversation, I'd love to talk with you guys about Pokemon. Um, nailed it. Uh, so, <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield is out, and I guess we can talk about it for a little bit officially. Some early impressions were all about 10 hours or less in the game. We have built up your reputation as being Pokemon Pokey Fellows. Um, you know, as long as we've known each other, I've been playing Pokemon games since I was like, Red and blue, one of the eight, twelve years old, whatever the fuck I was, young kid. Um, we had legendary, <laughs> we had legendary Pokemon battles with each other uh, as friends, even before we had the podcast, or we'd, you know, battle. Um, we'd raise, breed, work on IVs, and we'd have these really intense competitive tournaments that were a lot of fun. Um, and 
we care a lot about this franchise. I've played every single Pokemon game, even the half games, the spinoffs, all the above. And I know most of you have as well, if not most of them, all of them. So this is interesting because this is the first Switch Pokemon game, and in some ways the first real console Pokemon ever, if you were to hook your Switch up to the TV, which I have yet to do, but I guess that's one way to play it. It would feel like a Pokemon game on your on a home console, which is pretty weird. And uh, the strongest platform that the Switch or that the Pokemon series has ever been on as well. So we talked a little bit about it last week, Shay. It was interesting. We had some joking first impressions. Um, we found out that Josh can do a great Zoolander voice, which is actually Trump. That was one of us, apparently. Um, so that was interesting. That was, I didn't I didn't listen to last week's episode to be oh. honest with you. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no worries. Glad to know how. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Josh did, uh, did Josh, can you give us a little Zoolander right here on the spot? Is that okay? I don't know Ridiculous. if I can. Give, give uh, me, oh, ridiculously good looking, come on. Oh, wow. What happened there? That was. Ridiculously good looking. Wow. This is, I didn't realize how no. bad it was last week because we said it at the same time. <laughs> I'm not, it's not that, not that bad. It's all right. <laughs> it sounds really, like, it really sounds like ridiculously good looking yeah see that that's that's natural morgan yeah. sounded like trump was trying to imitate zoolander there <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> i put it in your brain that's why I've, been, I've been postured it um and then we realized that yeah that wow that creepily enough does kind of sound like trump anyways we're talking about how good looking the game was which i still mostly agree with i think the game is for a switch game and the art direction overall is gorgeous. The the wild area I did notice a lot of graphical hiccups once I got there. Um like when it was raining and snowing and sort of the performance wasn't great for me. Uh but I still think the game looks fan- I know th- so part of the reason the Pokémon games are getting review bombed, I will discuss, but I guess there's this whole thing about reusing animations and stuff from the last Pokémon games and I it just seems weird to me cuz I think this game actually looks really 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 fantastic. It's um, such a dumb thing to be mad about, too. You want the exact same Pokemon to show back up, but for the love of God, don't use their animations. What? What? How? What? Well, this is why. I agree with you, Josh, but this is why. Apparently it was getting bombed because Game Freak said the reason why they cut the Pokédex down was because they wanted to focus their time on other things like the quality of the game, you know, the visuals, the animations, whatever you may say. And then that's why they went for a smaller deck so they could really like focus on the quality over quantity kind of thing. So then the really angry nerds like, well, if you're reusing animations, you couldn't have cut my favorite Pokémon. You know, that's that's the sentiment. Yeah, it's not really defense, though. I mean, they still would have had to reskin them, would have had to find a place to put them, would have had to make sure they were still balanced with all... There there are not a lot of major systems changes, but there are a few minor move changes. They would have had to rebalance the move sets. Like, they're still... The animations are not... Like, animations are generally the most expensive aspect of developing it but it's not the only part of it and we're talking about a dex that has what are we at 3800 pokemon at this point um yeah so they had to cut some of them um 
Like just yeah, and, really yeah, part, the, yeah. the number they have in there, they really? could have cut that in half. There are still so many Pokemon in this game; it's ridiculous. Well, let's, let's not go crazy, Josh. You're right, but let's not go crazy. Or they could have at least cut Trubbish. Exactly. No, dude, when I put that post up this week, there were so many people that defended Trubbish, which made my heart (laughs) smile, but also, like, what the hell, man? It's a garbage bag Pokemon. People like Trubbish. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't don't get it. I I would say something, but I don't want to insult the people. (laughs) No. Yeah, exactly. I love everyone's opinion. I was just surprised that people like, there's people that like Trubbish. They think his design's great. Yeah. Oddly enough, I don't love everyone's opinion. I respect everyone's opinion. <laughs> I don't agree with it. I don't love them though. Yeah. It's funny, them. like oddly enough, I like I didn't really give you crap about it forever ago. You were talking about all these new Pokémon not even looking like Pokémon. I haven't mm-hmm. been able to tell which ones are new or not. There's no oh, difference. Oh, get out of here. No. There's a massive Like I've had difference. to go look at basically every Pokemon, what I've been trying to find out whether it's a new one or not, I've had to go look at a database somewhere to find out if it's new. Like they, I have to they do look it the you same know. all they, the time. Mm-hmm. But that's because we—it's been so long, and there there was new Pokemon in the last game that we didn't really enjoy, and then you guys I, missed out on. Hold on, you guys missed out on Ruby and Sapphire remakes, and they had a lot of new Pokemon, including Megas in there. I'm just saying that for okay. Well, we can agree. We can agree to disagree. I think it's really easy. We might, we might have to agree to disagree because, like, there was a Pokemon today when I was playing. I was like, is that a new Pokemon? I've never seen that. It was in Gen 2. And yeah. I played the shit out of What? I've had fuck? that a couple times happen. And, and vice versa. The, uh, you guys, you guys sick. What's his name? Wooly? Woolery? Whatever. That big sheep. That guy looks like yes. he should have been around, oh, around since the first... Wooloo. Wooloo. He no, looks like he should have been around since first or second gen. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yep. Like he just he looks like yep. he's always been a Pokemon. I, brand new. You guys are really getting shitting on what I was gonna say. Um I can't believe this. That's fascinating. Well that's good. That would you be better. a positive in you guys' eyes, right? Because you feel like the Pokemon fit. They look like yeah. they belong. Yeah, I think in that they world. fit in there. Like there are still some weird ones out there, but it's not like they're not Pokemon or something. Like they I've not been able to tell whether some of them have been brand new or not, just without having to go back and check. So Weird. That is crazy. Maybe I'm just more sadly... Maybe my memory... Of, I, I shouldn't remember as many Pokemon as I do. It's probably a problem. I was, I I was thinking about um, that as I was playing. I was like... Because I, I always struggle with this. I'm like, I got to remember the moves, the types, what types are weak and... Uh, what types are weak against, what they're strong against, all the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And I'm and like... Some of the shit I remember, and I'm like, how does my brain decide what it wants to retain? And then at some point, I'm like, I'm starting, like, I'm starting to memorize all this stuff again. And I'm like, why do I keep remembering all of this shit? Why do I keep going through and memorizing all of this shit? Because like, it literally is never going to be applicable again, except to play other Pokemon games. And it's it's not a bad thing. I'm not trash talking it. It's just funny to me. Like I'm like. I could be out there memorizing things I need to use every day that I have to look up 20 <laughs> yeah, times. Like, yeah. I can't tell you the amount of times I'm like, I have to look up on YouTube how to tie a tie because it's been three months since I've tied a tie. But like, I've done it hundreds of times. And there are random times in my life where I remember how to tie a tie. But then other parts I'm like, couldn't be fucked to remember how to tie a tie. But I remember that fucking 
Muck is a poison Pokemon, and he evolves from Grimer, because that's pertinent information I need in my life. It's very pertinent information. Rant over. Yeah. And um, oddly enough, every time I've ever fought a Croagunk, I, I, th- I think they're water type. Every yep. time. Like, I, no matter how many times I've, I've looked at it and found they're like, what? Like poison and, poison and that... it's either fighting or ground. No yeah. matter how many times I've fought one of them and looked it up after well, the it's fact, a frog, you'd kind I've, of think I've that attempted it could be. to yeah. use an electric type move against it every time. Yeah. Yep. Oops. Um, I will say this uh, James Turner is the new art director for Pokemon. Now, here, this is fascinating, okay? So, I don't want to mean this is any disrespect to James Turner, all right? He has some new Pokemon designs that I actually do like that we could talk about. He has officially sort of taken over from um, uh, Ken I mean, Sugimori, who did Pokemon designs up until, uh, I believe, 2014 is what they said, which would have been Alpha Sapphire and Ruby Sapphire, I believe, the remakes. Now, what's interesting about this, um, he's a British graphics designer, and he's the art director completely for this game. And he actually, when he was kind of weaseling his way into the Pokemon world, he actually designed... They had like this list of Pokemon that he had designed personally, and I hated all of them, including he was the guy who is responsible for Vanillite, the ice cream Pokemon. So, James Turner, this started with you. <laughs> God damn it. The worst Pokemon in history. Um, I've enjoyed no, some of the new Pokemon, to be honest with you. It's just like some of them always like are head scratching, too. But I mean, that's it's been the same since Gen 1. It really has. Every single generation has had some what the fuck Pokemon. And it's 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 sometimes it's endearing and sometimes it's not. Like see, I like the the vanilla ice cream Pokemon. I didn't mind that one. It was funny, but it wasn't the end of the world kind of thing. Um but there's just always been some weird Pokemon, but I've I've really liked some of the designs of the new Pokemon, especially in this game, like some of the new the new ones are really interesting. I I really like the squirrel. Squirrel, even though it's derpy, I love the squirrel. Um, I love it's the chipmunk. light. Yeah, sorry, the chipmunk. Yeah, no, it's a squirrel. Hmm. It's definitely a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I like oh, the okay. electric dog. The uh, the corgi, the electric corgi, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did I miss? What did I miss? No, you're Nothing. fine. I don't know Morgan, if it's a squirrel. Or, I thought for sure it was a, a chipmunk. So I was it's just trying to look it up a 100% a squirrel. With that big, oh. bushy Squ- chipmunk tail. Yeah, Thank and you. also the fact that part of the name, <laughs> squ- squirrel. But, you know, yeah, it's definitely a chipmunk. But to be fair, Josh, to be fair, <laughs> you have a seagull evolve into a pelican in Pokemon. So easy, <laughs> yeah. easy to mix it does, up it that really, kind of It doesn't shit. mean much of anything, exactly. Right. But I've really, I've loved some of the character designs in this um, this game so far. I, I definitely, like, I know, because I, this is one of the few things I spoiled for myself, is the final evolutions, or the final evolutions of the starters, yeah. and not super keen on some of them. No. But I yeah. do absolutely love the second form of Sobble, which is the starter that I went with. Mm-hmm. Really? Drizzle? Huh. Yeah, I love that. I love the way that looks. Wow. Absolutely love it. Yeah, the, col- the color scheme. It's called Squovet. Cheek yep. pouch gluttony. Sorry. I'm just looking at the squirrel Pokemon. I have to That's... know how wrong I am here. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 you don't have to trust the biologist. 
That's okay. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I definitely, I love some of the character designs in, in this one. Some of them are meh, but I like a lot of them. A lot of them are interesting. A lot of them didn't translate in pictures. Like I wasn't a big fan of any of the starters whenever they leaked, but then seeing Mm. them actually move, oddly enough, the animations were the important part there because like the the personality they get across, um, um, like score bunny and like all the forms of that just end up like they, they come across really well. Like it's just, it works. There's a personality there that just didn't, they just, they seemed like, like they were trying to be so like they had these cute starters and then all of a sudden they're just like, Oh, we have to be edgy for the next ones. And yeah. And that's kind of the impression I got when they were leaked, but that doesn't really feel that way. Whenever you actually, Mm see them it's, like moving around it's such stuff. an important part of pokemon that we haven't had to consider in the past is how important animations are now because when you had leaks of pokemon they were still framed they were they mm-hmm. were just pictures you know the most they did was jiggle back and forth to signal like status effect or something but now they're actually moving so when you see leaks like that that's only part of it like they're animated yeah. now and that's um, amazing okay so a couple things there before you poop all over my face yes i i to be um, to be fair here, I do agree there are a lot of good Pokemon. I'm not as keen on the new designs as you are, but this is what I would say. They have to, at some point, it has to change. I get that, right? And I applaud that to a degree. I might not like the exact way it goes, but look, Ken couldn't design Pokemon forever. I used to think about this when I was a kid. I was like, I love his design so much, but he can't make, he can't, you know, be the Pokemon designer forever. And now they've sort of transitioned to this new flow and people seem to enjoy it. Right. It just has a different overall aesthetic to me, to a lot of the Pokemon, but I think that it's important to do that. It kind of makes the game feel a little fresher to me just because the Pokemon design is, I just look at, you know, Grookey and Sobble and Scorebunny and some of these other ones like Squovet, that little squirrel chipmunk thing. And they just, don't look like the Pokemon I grew up with, but that's okay. They don't. They don't have to be. By the way, I found its biology here. Um, it's. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. The wiki said it's based on a squirrel or chipmunk. So that's all we have. It's def- We're both mm-hmm. right. We're both right. I'm sorry. It's not a chipmunk, but that's okay. I'm not saying it's a chipmunk. I'm saying it's based on a chipmunk. I know, I know, but it's not that. It's not based on a chipmunk. Go look up Squovet and then send us an email or a DM at Swordchomp Instagram. Tell us what it is. Is it a squirrel? Or... No, what? That's a poll. I'm yes, saving it the... right now. I'm going to pull it right now. Have the, have the non-biologists. Oh, we're going to pull the biology because... card. Wow. That's the first time. I went to school for it for years. Oh. I have I'm having seen lots of fun watching him try to say squavit over and over again. It's just Squibbit, really fun. Squa- I, I don't like it doesn't roll off the tongue really yes, it, well. Yes, it, yes it does, which also explains why that's Why does it name. roll off your tongue? How can you say that so distinctly? You're like, yeah, it rolls off the tongue just fine. Well, you know what? I see what you're saying, though, because squirrel, squavit, but eh. like you said, Pelipper and uh, no, it's, it's Wingle. Squavit. Like, there's no Squovit. It's Squovit. Oh, I said Scovit. That's not that. Well? No, it's, it's Squovit. 
You're putting, is there a W in there? Because you're adding a, oh, there is, yes. There is, a, there is a W, uh, and B, the second, it's, it's evolution oh, is Oh, Squovit. Squovit, got you. Yeah. Um, no, Squovit. <laughs> Josh, Who I'm knew? just trying to. Who knew one just... Pokemon would create such dissent on this podcast? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Pokemon names are puns, and, and having you miss it this, this, this hard is, is, is. Yeah, it's something. It's all right. You know, do you know... He's messing up the name and the animal it's being based off of, so it's all good. <laughs> it's a cheeky Pokemon. It's cheeky. Um, I know it evolves to here, and it looks pretty funny. Um, I will say... Okay, let's move on from the school of a controversy of uh, 2019. All right? Um, you know what? I'll do a poll, and if, if I'm succinctly downvoted, then I will eat that dick live on podcast next week okay um i will choke on that dick all right so uh but yeah i think honestly the game looks great i had a user review here that i was gonna read to you guys because it makes me laugh but no honestly like it's when you're in the in the bat i don't know if it's necessarily the resolution change or all the work they did into the models or the art itself because they still is based on that cell shading look it it really does look so smooth like i've only seen a couple weird fuzzy resolution edges like for some reason shadows are flickery and kind of bad looking but other than that and the wild area getting kind of rough i think the game really does look fantastic um it I'm pops it pops, pops really well yes. sorry to interrupt you yeah i know it does it pops and there's some beautiful yeah. stuff uh, did you get to the I, area uh, yet shay where you get to do fishing for the first time not in the wild area yeah but you get to do oh you did okay well, there's fishing you can do at the very beginning of the game. You can fish pretty much right out the gate. Um, yes. Well, that's what I, right. Well, I found that first spot was like by that house, and I caught one of those like aracuda things. It was like a little barracuda looking creature. Although I thought it was a lake, okay. so I don't know why I caught look you know an aracuda in there. Yeah, based off a of barracuda. Um, I did name it Montana. I pretended it was a pike, even though it looked to be a lake and a barracuda. But yeah, you could, yeah, it was no, weird. I, I just walked. Up. I saw them area. swimming, dude. You could see them swimming out in the water, and I was like, "Dude, that's fucking Pokemon. That's one of the ones I like, that Barracuda." And I just walked up, and it was like, "You already have a fishing pole. Just fish." And it was the fr- it was great. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the 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 setting, like the thing, it's really hard to put in words. I sound I sound so emotional right now. No, like <laughs> playing from the very first generation when we were fucking kids to see this now, 25, 20, 25 years later, to see how far it's come. Like I do, I do poo poo a lot on Pokemon on certain things, and I think some of that criticism is deserved. It's taken this long. It's taken eight generations to get to this point, but. Yeah. It's beautiful. The game is absolutely beautiful and the 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 settings, the backdrops, everything, it looks absolutely gorgeous. I love that it's not super realistic. I love that this this is the art style they went with and it works super well. Um the part that immediately like I was like I'm hooked uh in terms of graphic uh design and art style, all that was when they go into that wielding area where the mist comes and something happens. I don't want to spoil it because that's a big part of the story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and big part of the story. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, it's not a major spoiler, but you know how much I love to avoid spoilers. So, um, 
it, that part was so well done and that was so well done because of the art direction and the improved graphics. That's something they could have never done in previous generations or previous games, except maybe sun and moon. Maybe they could have done mm-hmm. it in there, but it on a big screen, uh, not on your little switch screen. It just looks awesome. And I'm just, I'm, I'm very, very pleased with everything that encompasses that art style and direction and everything they've done there. Seeing the Pokemon walk in the grass is incredible. Seeing them flop That's around huge. in the, in the yeah. water is no, incredible. Uh-huh. That was, it's better than the last game. Cause I played uh, Pokemon, let's go Eevee and Pikachu. And they experimented with that idea. The Pokemon did walk around, but it felt more haphazard than this. Um, the, the way it works in this game is it's not the dream scenario, but it's a huge step for Pokemon. Like, even in some subtle areas, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, you can see them, um, I said haphazard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Half a hazard is much better than the whole thing. Yes. Um, we, don't want the full, we don't want the full God, hazard. <laughs> I, not I not the to, whole thing. Not the whole I'm hazard. Going, I, need, I need to talk to HR no. about all this behind no. the scenes chat. Quor- what about a quarter hazard? Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, um, there is areas where, like, they mix it up. Like, for example, I just got to this farm area that you're going to get to soon, Shay, and there's, like, sort of, like, dry wheat kind of fields, and you see the Pokemon running it out. But then, like, Diglets will pop in and out of the ground in front of that area, which is cool because... And Uh then, um, like, in the caves, there's stuff like that happening. Now, some of it's recycled. You'll see other stuff go in and out of the ground. But so far, they've used it in an interesting... In fact, the Wild World part of the game has been almost less impressive than I thought it was going to be. Not that I don't like it, but because the rest of the world is actually a lot more involved than I thought. I thought maybe this, maybe I'm wrong here, but I thought from everything they told us that the wild world would be this and the rest of the game was going to be traditional run around in the grass style yeah. Pokemon, right? I, I got to admit, uh, because I read about the wild zone before I got there, even um, I was expecting I was honestly expecting a lot more than what happened in that specific zone. But what I do like is how it's divvied up and the weather changes in there. I like that each section has a little bit of a vibe change in terms of the background. Like when you get close to the ghost tower, um, it gets a little bit more eerie and darker. I do like that. They made those subtle changes. But I definitely, when, when you hear the term wild zone, like... For me, the first image that's conjured up is a fucking jungle, and you're just like walking through this elaborate jungle kind of thing, you know. But or yeah, or more a little more organic, per se. Yeah, Charizards po- blasting yeah. each other through the sky. Shit, like you do that. see the fish swimming, which is nice. But yeah, it's no different than the rest of the game. In fact, the other parts I, it's, of the game, it's yeah, it's it's interesting. I think the wild zone is more in reference to all the different Pokemon because it's yes. it's crazy to you know walk across a bridge and you look to the right and there's a Gyarados just swimming in the water and you're like, uh, yes. what the fuck? That's, That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. And then you walk to another area and you're like, oh, Snorlax is just waddling his ass around. You know, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, like, to see that kind of it's stuff. Even they can they can just throw anything they want in there too. So if they get mad enough that people bitched, they could just be like, okay, well guess what? The wild world now has gen one starters thrown in there at this right. time of day. Go for it. It seems like that's their grab bag area where they can throw anything they want I th- in there. And I think that's what's going to happen 
I think you, I think you have a good point, and this is something I had forgotten to mention earlier, is with the complaint of a lot of people, the controversy, how certain Pokemon got selected and other ones kind of just got left out kind of thing. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it's weird seeing certain Pokemon in there from Gen 1 that doesn't seem like to be anyone's favorite, but they exist in the game. And to me, it's like, I think what they're doing is they're probably leaving it open for the the availability to put more of those Pokemon in there. And even if, I don't know if there have been um, comments of them saying, oh, we're not going to put any additional Pokemon in there. There may have been, I don't know. But could be a misdirection too. They may change their minds, who knows. As we talked about with the previous topic, Games evolve, games change over time. So right now, maybe we don't have all the Pokemon that are eventually going to be introduced into the game. We'll see. But yeah. I do I do like the Wild Zone um, for the simple fact that, very minor anecdotal story, when I first walked in, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, and then all of a sudden this little Kyro- Kyrogi, is that how you pronounce his name? Kyrogi? I'm pretty sure? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just Ty- come- Tyrogi, Tyrogue, Tyrogi, the little sorry, Tyrogi, uh, fighting yeah. Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tyrogi. He, the little guy just starts fucking bolting his ass out of the grass and stuff. And I was like, "What the yeah. fuck?" And then I had to fight a level twenty-seven Tyrogi, and I kicked my ass. But like, it was hilarious. I was just like, kind of peacefully looking around. All of a sudden, I see this little fucking karate kid running out of the grass. That, yeah, that like those yeah. kind of hilarious incidents in this game are awesome. I love it. Yeah, they do a good job of that that area. the lo- The level range in there is just massive, um, which yes, you'd think would be frustrating, but actually is nice in a Pokemon game because just the nature of the games, trying to catch everything, trying to figure out what your party's even going to be. Basically, every other Pokemon game, you end up over-leveled for everything your whole way through, even if you're not trying. And having these areas where things can just be way, way stronger than you is kind of nice. Just to have them show up and and make you realize that you're not just going to, you know, sleep your way through all this stuff. Um, yeah, because you can get you can walk into something that's yeah and get well, yeah. and that was the thing Shay you mentioned. I know you missed you didn't listen to the last podcast. Shame on you. But we joked about this because there was a meme I put up earlier this year that was um, it said in the new Pokemon Sword and Shield, a wild Machoke will chase you down in an open field and beat the shit out of you, uh, which is exactly what happened to you, but with a Tyrogi. So, oh. yeah, yeah, I got I got beat up by a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little unfortunately, well, short. Uh, the- but what to what Josh is saying, I think I think he's absolutely right because that's the closest thing we've gotten to this point to an open world Pokemon game. That area is as close as we've gotten so far. Granted, not anywhere near, but it's a step in the right direction. And as yeah. we have learned as Pokemon fans, it takes five generations for something to be <laughs> actualized. It does, yeah. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no Breath of the Wild is on this same console and. Like just the way they handle wildlife is, a, you know, what you'd want to see from this, and it's not that, but it's a it's a huge jump. Um, how you how do you feel about the diff? The one thing I was telling you, Josh, is it, it seemed a little easy so far, which isn't really. I'm torn on that as a criticism because I played Pokemon for a long time, the, but um, yeah, there's no way to tell. At this point, we've played Pokemon for 20 years. There's literally <laughs> no fucking way to tell. 
if if it's not a complete cakewalk to you at this point, you're doing something wrong. Um, That's true. I mean, maybe we're just so... Well, like, there's even funny things, like that first gym you get to, or you Dynamax. You've gotten there, right? Yeah. The first gym? Um, I went up with it with the opposite type, just to try and make it fun. I had evolved the turtle Pokemon Mm -hmm. up to its second phase, which is water, and I went up against grass. And, um, yeah, I just for fun, just to make it challenging. And I just Dynamaxed and just bit him to death anyway. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, it wasn't really that super challenging, but, um, you're right. Who knows? I mean, it might be an easy as the game might be easy as shit, but we've been playing Pokemon forever. So it's kind of hard to tell, but I still feel like it's a little easy. Yeah. Um, um I do. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think, unless I've missed something, I think this is the first one where they just tell you outright whether a move is going to be super effective before you use it. If you've before fa- you even mm, if they? if you found yeah, it as far in as your I know, Pokedex, as far as I know, I as think far as I know, one. it's the first game that's done it. Yeah, um, and that's that's very which makes helpful. it it makes it easier. I mean, it's not hidden information. You, it's stuff you could know, but it's it's that is a whole lot more easy because you don't have to memorize it. It's just well, it's essential, yeah. If you've if you've encountered that Pokemon before, you have their typing and information and whatnot, so you don't have to try to remember which moves are going to be super effective. Um, but then again, that memorization has always been a part of the series, and it's not anymore. So I mean, it it is if it's a new Pokemon, like if it's your first it time fighting no them or for, something, yeah. you won't have that information. But once you've fought them to- once, you never have to remember it a second time. Yeah. But I mean, it was just ridiculous in the past where you come up against, there's so many Pokemon before and you're supposed to just fucking know what their types are and what to use. Like it mm-hmm. just, it was just a little much, like honestly, even as a Pokemon fan. So I'm really happy that they, I will say I really like two Pokemon that I really like that Barracuda Pokemon I told you guys about. And then I really like the turtles first form is really stupid looking Chewtle, but I really like that second form. And they revealed it way back in the day. It's called Dreadnaw. I just think that that Pokemon looks fucking awesome. Um, and I was wondering if there's any Pokemon designs you guys wanted to shout out that you were digging. Barrascuta. That's a cute name. Before we go there, I kind of wanted to talk about some of like, because I think we're approaching a part of the conversation that's really important for this game is a lot of the mechanics that were introduced into this game um, that have been incredible and they've made the game less of a slog, but in turn that has made the game easier. Like you were, you guys were talking about the super effective move thing. That that's awesome. One thing too is you don't need an item anymore for your whole team to get experience. Like before in previous yeah. gens, you had to get that that the experience share is what it was called. Uh, to you have to give that to your party members to have them get experience. Well, you, when they've they've gone back and forth. No, I think the last yeah. couple gens, it's been yeah. just a special item, so you get it and you turn it off or on. Yes, yes. Instead yes. of having to have yes. one of your Pokemon yes, hold it. Yes, that's how it was in Sun and Moon. Yeah, so like they've they've made it more and more easy going forward. But like this is the first time where you just get experience for it, which has been nice. Um, interesting though, because it limits right. some of your people are unhappy about that, which is interesting that people are unhappy about that. Um, because I, I, I think it limits how you divvy up personal experience and it, well, people are saying it makes the game too easy because you get to the first gym and you have like, you've got a 10 ton level. of yeah. over leveled Pokemon. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just, maybe it's fine tuning the amount of experience you get. I still think it's a great system. 
Yeah, I like but it. like, yeah, they, I will admit, yeah. like, I'm barely doing any fights, and my Pokemon are all leveling up simultaneously, pretty damn easy. Yeah, so yeah. I will. I well, would say, like, maybe that's the thing that I actually like. It doesn't feel like you have to grind as much. Like, I'm getting enough leveling from just catching new Pokemon, which I like because it that's an, that's another change. Is whenever you catch Pokemon, you don't miss out on experience the way you always did before. So. A, all your Pokemon are getting that experience from fights, and then B, you're not wasting it from catching new Pokemon. Because I don't do a lot of, like, just grinding for the sake of it, but I do like trying to catch everything. Um, And that, there are, like I mentioned before, they could probably have cut the number of Pokemon in half again, and it would have been fine. Just catching the Pokemon there, I still feel like I'm over-leveled, not even going through and fighting a bunch of extra stuff. Just, like... that's trying yeah, to catch the, the new ones yeah so well that's right. the problem josh is that like right it's it's sort of like what we've asked for all along i didn't really realize that it was a double-edged sword because i want pokemon everywhere and i love i love having so many pokemon to choose from in early because you get you can set up your team in more interesting ways i've wanted that forever mm-hmm. but but I spend so much time catching Pokemon. I put 10 hours in the game for the first gym. I was getting fatigued. I was getting tired. Every fucking time I turn around, a new fucking Pokemon was running out of the grass. I'm like, God damn it. There's too many fucking Pokemon to catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 3, I got to the point. Is, I got to a lot the point of in Wild Zone where I stopped. <laughs> yeah. It beat us down. Shay was like, no more Pokemon. Please. Yeah. I was like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to move on. Like, I can always come back, do it in. Um, yeah. Increments. Well, you will. But, you will. That that's a zone you return yeah. to throughout the I game. Figured. So that's what um, I, I will say. Yeah. This, Josh. Another. Um, me- oh, good. <laughs> you you've always since I double checked on this because I thought it was strange you mentioned that, but you you've gotten experience for catching Pokemon since um, Gen six. So six. So what is that? Last gen. X and X and Y. X and Y. Yeah, it's been not not a long time. So. Josh, just give it to me, all right? X and Y, come on. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Um, it's nice though, mm-hmm. but that's one of those things that, like, it's weird that there's certain things they get rid of. Like, this is okay. Let's stay positive still for a second. I'm sorry. I don't want to go to the negative stuff yet. I, I do really like. I'm really enjoying the game. Like, I am. Um, even despite the fact, like, it's a little weird playing so much Pokemon now because I feel like I'm kind of going through the motions. But yeah, I love seeing them walk around. It's gorgeous. Um, we are talking to new Pokemon. I'm trying to find the interesting angles well, there, to take here. Well, there, there, there's another mechanic I really want to talk about to see what you guys okay. thought about it. Was the uh, in previous gens you kind of had to memorize the the power of the attack, whether it was a special attack or it was whether it was a physical attack, the accuracy, its effect, everything. Yeah. Yeah. But now they actually have a a button command in this game where you can look at your moves and see what they do. Which so now you're not memorizing your moves anymore in in some ways that basically you know by looking at a menu now like yeah you can still memorize them but you can also look at a menu now and that's interesting that takes less memorization like it seems like this is the entry level pokemon game at this point because of all the mechanics but i was curious what you guys thought about that them introducing that that ability to look at your moves yeah, I think that's been a while ago. That's the thing that's hard to tell. It's really weird. Is, like, I think they didn't have a yeah. command showing up. Like they, they they have a button prompt now. I think that used to happen if you held R or something. Like it was it was weird. Really, I didn't. I don't even remember that. 
Well, that's what makes it so messy. Is a lot of this stuff is like, like uh, yeah, it's bleeding. like it's like bits yeah. and pieces. Like they'll they'll have a lot of these ideas, yeah, and then they no, don't get yeah. fully implemented until forever later. And then we forget, and then we're like, oh my god, this yeah. is awesome. Oh shit. <laughs> I still don't remember that. I have no recollection of that. I think so. I think it was like if you held R on like one of the D- 3DS ones, it would pop up all the, mm-hmm. all the, all oh, the attack It's coming back to me. I'm pretty, sure X, I'm pretty sure it was an X and Y now, actually, mm-hmm. now that I think about it. But yeah, it's, it's like even then, though, like they have the button commands readily reminding you that all these things exist, which yeah. makes it yeah. even easier. User-friendly, yeah. no grind. There's no reason to ever grind at all. You'd never need to grind in this game, not one second. A, you don't want to. Or A, A, there's no need to. B, you don't want to. This is the first game in a while where I've had Pokemon start getting the messages saying they're not, they're, they're, they're thinking of other stuff. Like, I've not had one ignore me and not give an attack yet, but I've had, they give you more, more warning in this one. Like, I, like, you know, your Pokemon is thinking about, you know, you know, what they're going to have for dinner tonight. This, this Pokemon doesn't like your new haircut, like what, whatever it is, like they'll start giving you messages saying you're over leveling this Pokemon. They don't respect you a long time before they just start ignoring your moves. So it's like they're, they're, uh, yeah, another, another that's, one of those user friendly like things. That's kind of like a Monster Rancher vibe in some ways. Because yeah. I remember that's how they, well they've always had that the old Pyongya Monster Rancher. Yeah, like they've they've had that since Red and Blue, where if you over level past what your badge will um let you catch, they'll just have a chance to start ignoring you. But they would it would just happen. Like there was there'd be yeah, no they never indication. Communicated it to yeah, you. and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, you know, Charizard is loafing around. I'm like and just not do the move. And it seems like there's way more indication. So like a couple times I've had this happen. Like I had this happen right before the third gym. I'm like half the time I'm getting to a battle just trying to catch these Pokemon. It's like, it's giving me messages like saying I'm over leveled. Like none of my Pokemon will listen to me anymore. I'm like, okay, let's rush through. Let's get some badges. Let's start. Um, you caught too many Pokemon. Yeah, I caught too many Pokemon. Yourself. Like it's just like <laughs> that's what I told myself. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just gonna catch a couple through, and then I'll come back because I'd like to fill out the decks if I'm feeling it. I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's just been so time consuming catching them all that it's kind of ruining the flow for me. And it's not the game's fault. It's, it's my own fault because I just had this compulsion to catch them all. There's so many. Um, yeah, that's that's what did that's what did them all in. Right, got to catch them all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the downfall of us all, baby. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm really, I'm enjoying it. Um, I've been, like I said, I've been like, it's hard to come from Death Stranding to this game because one is such a weird, like revolutionary kind of experience. And one of them is just Pokemon, but I still love this Pokemon game so far. And I'm, I'm hoping to get more into it. I haven't been able to fully emotionally invest in it the way I, and I'm looking forward to like, I was joking with somebody this week cause we do a lot of the, the post game stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm sure I'll enjoy this game fair enough, right? But because we played so much Pokemon that it's almost like someone who needs, like I remember dating this girl and she's like, yeah, if someone's not like violent with me in bed, I'm not going to get off. And I'm like, wow, that's that's the point that this poor girl's gotten to is that she's, she, if she's not getting choked, she's not going to have an orgasm. And I'm like, that's the point now I am with Pokemon. Like I get my rocks off in the post game. You know, in the competitive scene when we're like grinding eaves and sh- like that's right because I play Pokemon for so long. That's the only way I can get my jollies off. So, 
um, get choked around a little bit. And that's Much just a personal around. thing because, oh, there we go. <laughs> that's just good a personal Pokemon puns are back on the menu, boys. Boom. I did want to tell you guys, this is important to the intro of the show and how I deeply feel about some things. Public service announcement. Um, there are some things that are not a problem with the game as it's taken as its own unit. But there are things as a Pokemon fan that are frustrating as someone who's played this series for a long time. That just sort of add up because as I'm playing, I go, it's a bummer. I wish that was here. Um, the first one is it was shiny Pokemon in let the last game. Let's go Pokemon Silver. I'm um, sorry. Let's go Eevee and Pikachu. The shiny Pokemon would actually show up on the screen. So let's say you're running through an area and you saw like a, like a red Gyarados swimming or whatever. It's an example. You'd go, oh shit, I need to stop and catch that thing. So it was like a very clear signal because the Pokemon are walking around in the world, right? In this game, you still have to run into them on the overworld and then wait to see if they're shiny. It doesn't really make sense why that regressed. Um, because that's a, if you're running through an area where you've already been grinding Pokemon at, you're not going to stop and fight them over and over. But if you were running through an area and you're like, oh shit, that's a black fox. I've never seen that before. It would be cool, right? A clear indication. Yeah. Yes. Of, of, and, and they did that in the last game. I don't know why they said, good idea. Now let's get rid of it. Um, because it takes Pokemon- five generations to implement something really cool no, that they developed. It was the last, it was the last game on the Switch. Um, and then like little things are not little things, but like your Pokemon. I I think everyone likes it when your lead Pokemon follows you around on the map. That's been a cool thing, right? Like that's your partner in crime. They even lean into it in the the Detective Pikachu movie, the Gold and Silver remakes. Um, let's go Eevee. Let's go Pikachu. Like. You want your partner Pokemon there. I don't know why they keep bringing that in and taking it away, bringing it in and taking it away. Like, that just seems like something that would be cool if whatever your lead Pokemon is, they were following around mm. with you. Well, I think because they've been trying to get the whole scale thing across. Because, like, all the Pokemon are more or less to scale on the world map. And if you had some ridiculous, like, you have your Snorlax following you around, you couldn't see a damn thing. Um, maybe. Yeah, so that's they just kind of wanted to, fair. you know, just not give you the option. I don't think that was strictly necessary, well, and, but like, just yeah. to stop and you from having some, yeah. you know, building sized Pokemon falling around everywhere you go. Um, well, and that's a fair point, but I think that if like, let's say your favorite Pokemon's Onix, God bless you if your favorite Pokemon's Onix, because it's stupid, but let's say your favorite Pokemon's Onix, right? I don't think you're going to be mad if they shrink Onix a little bit so it can follow you around, right? You'd probably just like to have an Onix following you around. But I, I wonder if that's their, their rationale. It's just odd that they, they jump away from that. Or like maybe they have a rule, like any Pokemon that are smaller you can carry with you or something. something. Just something to maybe yeah. personalize it a little bit. I, I mean, it could be a simple fix of like common sense too, even if it was like, granted, it'd be a pain in the ass, but then you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it all the time either. Is like, if, I, if my favorite Pokemon is Onyx and I do want to walk around with him in the world, it's as simple as, okay, let me put him back in the Pokeball because he can't go in this building. So it's a simple two-second animation yeah. of you throwing out your Pokeball, goes yeah. in your Pokeball, and then that's That it. makes perfect sense. Like, your Pokemon's too tall. Like, when you, when you go to drive your car under an overpass and there's a limit, right? It's, they could have shit in the world like that where yeah. you're like, okay, Onyx, you're too If you're big, on your buddy, bike and you're just <laughs> zipping through there, maybe, maybe your Pokemon loses its head. <laughs> well onyx he right. just loses the top boulder it just flies <laughs> off of his head <laughs> right 
his head boulder flies uh, off. But yeah, but, and, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I understand the fact that boulder. the scale prevented possibly that from happening. Maybe. It seems I, like there was... I, I, I think that could be their reason because they, they did put a lot of effort into the scale of the Pokemon you see wandering around. Like, like yeah. Morgan specifically mentioned Onyx. They're huge whenever you just see them wandering out in the They're world. Fucking massive. You see a Gyarados swimming through a lake somewhere and you're like, that thing's the size of the bridge. Uh, it's, yep. it's really cool. And that's cool. It's, yeah. it's really neat seeing that scale. So, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I, and I, I understand. Like like you were saying earlier, Josh, that animation is always the most expensive part of any game. So of course that's just another thing they have to spend money on. But it would have still, I think, really lent itself to immersion of the game for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, if anyone's I, rolling in money, it's Game Freak. But. I, I, I loved, I absolutely loved, um, granted Morgan hates this game, but uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters, which was an old Pokemon ripoff. But one of the things is you would have like three monsters that you would use in battle, but they'd all follow behind you. Mm-hmm. And that was always one of my favorite things about that game is yeah, the monsters always followed you. And, cute, yeah. and I just wish that Pokemon would adapt something like that because, I mean, it's in the anime. Yes, they've done it in other games. It exists. Yeah. It's yeah, canon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it I just yeah. Port it's, of the I get, very I first get it if game. it's a money issue. Or not the port, but like yellow. Yellow. Yeah. You could surf yeah. with Pikachu yeah. or Pikachu. Whatever. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. And you yeah. can talk to it. You can but, turn around and be like, Pikachu, um, how you doing? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows why they didn't do it? I wish they would have. And the shiny thing is a really good point, too. Because like I think about when I'm hiking in the woods and I see animals and I get super fucking hyped. Like I couldn't imagine like hiking in the woods and then seeing an albino deer like losing my shit yeah. or something like that. Yeah, same thing with shiny Pokemon. Or like a golden growlith or something. You'd be like, yeah, dude, what the I would, fuck? I would, my switch would be fucking covered in semen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's no different than normal. But yes, yes. Well, I'm, I'm not fish. <laughs> I clean my <laughs> switch. It's, it's true. It's it, you're quick. Yeah. You're quick to uh, fix that mess. But it's just odd because, like, literally the last Pokemon game that was on the Switch had that. Yeah, um, it's thing. so weird. So, that is weird. It's, uh, uh, but and then the last thing I like the I always bitch about you guys about the decks and have, and I'm sorry. You're gonna get so sick of hearing it. I promise I'll never bring it up again. It was just a cool way to catch Pokemon because you could, you know, you can stealth in this game a little bit. You can like sneak up on Pokemon really slow. Um, or sneak through grass. It was just like that, but the way it worked was on the bottom screen of the 3DS, you could sneak up on a Pokemon, and it would it would give you a rating. It would tell you if they had a hidden ability. Basically, it told you all this cool stuff about Pokemon before you even encountered it in battle, and it was very helpful and interesting. And when you cleared an area out, like you know how sometimes you'll catch Pokemon for like 20 minutes, and you're like, "Have I caught everything here? Have I caught everything on this fucking route?" You would get a medal. It would be like, "Boom! Here's your medal." Because that means you've caught everything, and it was also satisfying to be like, yeah, I caught everything on Route 2, I got a little metal, let's fucking move along. And it was just like, that was the first time I loved catching Pokemon since I was a kid, and I know it's not a 3DS, they don't have that screen, but they got it. And the only reason I bring all of this shit up is because as someone who's played this series for a long time, there's a lot of cool stuff that they try, it catches on, like Mega Evolutions. 70% of our audience are disappointed that Mega Evolutions are gone. And... I get that they want to try new things like the Dynamaxing and the Gigamaxing is actually cooler than you think it's going to be. And the concept of the game, Lachey, when you get to your first like arena and you have your giant Pokemon, you know, 
explode in front of the audience or explode um grow in front of the audience yeah it's just gonna it's gonna be violent just guts everywhere but it's just a hologram of their pokemon right that's what it's supposed to be um in the canon uh i believe it's supposed to be a hologram so any pokemon could be dynamaxed you could even have a mega pokemon i i don't like the idea of taking stuff away i do like the idea of experimenting with new stuff like i like dynamaxing as a new cool idea i like them trying new stuff i think you have to do that i i'm just not a proponent of taking away things that are good or i'm confused about how i feel about it in a way that's detracting that's all i'm saying i just yeah and i don't see why they couldn't have introduced some of that stuff post game which maybe i don't think a lot of it was like i know there aren't uh mega evolutions in this game but like why couldn't they have introduced that in some like end game content or even if they like yeah. it wouldn't like it would be a little bit annoying but locking it behind some kind of like side quest at the end of the game because they always have side quests at the end of the game to keep the longevity of the game going why why didn't they do something like that but um i yeah it's i one one thing i've always i've had a love-hate relationship with this ip is that nintendo always like you're saying introduces some really cool concepts really cool ideas and either they just do away with it completely or it takes multiple generations for it to just get fully actualized and it's frustrating in the sense of like you see all this potential and then it's like either thrown out the window they're like oh yeah that's really cool right oh fuck you um or it's like hey you see this cool idea that we have well give us like 10 more years and then we'll perfect it and then we'll get it out to you. And it's like, don't throw it in there until it's ready or when you're yeah. gonna just fully leave it in the game, you know, but yeah, it's, it feels like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's the reality of the series. Like, here's the thing. This is part of when I said earlier that I poo poo on these games a lot. This is the kind of like nitpicky shit that I do, but I also think it's valid, especially when they introduce really cool um, mechanics and ideas, and then they just get rid of them, and it just makes no sense. It doesn't like the whole point of experimenting with new mechanics and then finding ones that are really good. Like, I get why they got rid of the Z move thing, nobody really liked it, right? But I don't get why things that are applauded or enjoyed, or like even biology in the world, are yeah, like you said, it's just odd. Like, it's just I know you want to try new stuff. You can still do new stuff without getting rid of stuff, people. Like, it both should be able to exist to some degree yeah. in content. Within reason. This, not really. I mean, the the Mega Evolutions basically turned into the Z-Moves. They're like, that was stupid. It was a ton of extra effort for something that wasn't well-balanced and just didn't work all that well. The Z-Moves just let you power up a single move once. It's way easier to balance. You can it, it's just like it just worked better. Um and then this seems to be just the evolution of that. They're like, okay, let's just let you power up the Pokemon again, just like the mega evolutions, but we're just gonna make them bigger. That way we don't have to draw a bunch of new stuff. We don't have to rebalance all this. Let's it's But just they did draw stats. new stuff. There are Gigamax Pokemon that have new designs. Yeah. And so there's and, like and two on of top them. of that, like like Mega Evolutions were like it the Dynamax are all of them. The Gigamax evolution. is like what? There's like three, two or three. Almost none of them. I'm just saying you can't that. get rid of evolution. Just getting bigger. It's biology. To be fair, Josh, 
the first time you saw Mega Gengar, didn't you get a little bit of a chubby? Do you remember how excited we were, Josh, that night we sat there creaming over those Megas? We were sitting there on the internet after... They were cool looking. Are you, are you anti-mega? Is this an anti-mega stance? Yeah, that was that was always the dumbest thing. <gasps> <gasps> you should be ashamed. How can you say that, fish? You're an asshole. And I'm just gonna def- I'm just deflecting everything on the fish. Oh, okay. Jerk. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Fucking mega evolutions are awesome, fish. Get the hell out of here. Jesus Christ. Fucking well, fish. This is what it is. Look, I have to respect Josh's opinion. That's my it's part of my job. It never made sense. Like your Pokémon is going to evolve for 5 minutes, then it'll go back to normal. No, well, no, 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 no. They would evolve until they were defeated uh when you use the mega but the thing was you could only use one in battle and they were interesting because like i used to do a bunch of competitive battling of fish and the dynamic of only being able to use one was fascinating because you could you had to structure your team around really making sure you took down that one Pokemon, but not at the cost of weakening your whole team. And both people could only use one Mega. Yeah. So I thought it was an interesting dynamic. Now, could you Dynamax a Mega? Could you, could you take that and make it larger? I mean, I don't know how this stuff works. They're sort of piling on their own. But, I mean, Mega Evolutions, to me, the, the reason it bothers me is not just because I like them. We can argue about that all day. I, I agree with that. They were... It was a new form. It was more than just... Like a, a cute gimmick or a Z move. It was biology, you know? <laughs> it, it was I biology. Just, you know, thing, at, the, at, at the end of the day, I just wish I could gigamax my dick. Then maybe I'd finally have a normal-sized penis. <laughs> maybe. Remember, Giga, remember uh, Mega Alakazam? All those hands? Yes. So many hands. So many hands. What those hands do. So many. All right, let's try to read one of the review bombing posts here. Uh, uh, for Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> this game is not just lazy, it actually feels unfinished. Someone needs to tell Game Freak a new entry is supposed to offer something new. This game feels like it came out before Sun and Moon instead of after. <laughs> a few new Pokemon and a raid battle gimmick is the entire selling point of this stripped down cash grab. <sighs> Uh, Mom, get out! You will see many negative reviews here. None nearly as lengthy as my dear tribe. However, recognize that these negative reviews, like mine, come from a place of love and passion for the Pokemon series, and a sense of heartbreak and betrayal over seeing what it has become. Heartbreak and betrayal. In short, this game is awful for advanced players. This trash heap is the result of complacency. Bugs, no end game, half Pokedex, mediocre graphics, less features than previous games. Should I keep talking? Well, the the thing I took from that <laughs> review is this particular person doesn't like using bug Pokemon because he said the game is full of bugs. Uh-huh. So clearly he doesn't like using bug Pokemon. That's the that's pretty who much does? the only thing I only took fish from this does. Fish is the only person I know who likes bugs. Although bugs were the whole origin of Pokemon, which you can find out on my ten dollar Patreon tier podcast. Check it out. Um, they called the, the creator of Pokemon was called Mister Bug. All right, or you could just look it up on the internet. Don't know. <laughs> Way to upsell. 
work. <laughs> but uh, it isn't done with the expert voice acting of Morgan P. Sullivan Barnes. That was, yeah, exactly. That was exhausting. Anyways, at the, pretty much what this guy's saying is actually, or gal or whoever, is just, most of it's just blatantly wrong. I, I, just, yeah. I just don't, I just, none of it seems to be factual. Did you just assume their gender? Except half, I said guy or gal. Um, Did you just assume their gender? Yeah, no, you can safely assume the gender of anyone leaving that comment. That's person. No, human. that's 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 only that's a, that that's a that, that sort of view has only ever crawled out from underneath a particularly unwashed nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> it just he has he has. Yeah, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna. Go there. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be too offensive. I've already been offensive I mean, enough. As, as much as in estimation for me, all the things you said, those things do stick with me, and they detract. It's like getting in a relationship with someone that you dated before, and like uh, in some ways, they're like they have a new what? style. Uh, you could say they're hotter or whatever this and that. But then, like when you're with them, you remember all those things that you know, like oh, like remember when you used to like oh, remember the man, premise here to... is just baffling. <laughs> The whole premise. Let me, let me try. The, the, well, some of us, like, maybe. Maybe this time. Yes, yes, maybe this time. Or, <laughs> or a bet, or a. Who, who hasn't, Josh? Or maybe a better, a better metaphor would be like you're in a relationship and you remember things they did for you before that you really liked that they don't do anymore. Man, he used to eat my pussy and now he doesn't. That was great. You know, like I remember. But in Morgan's case, he never ate pussy. <laughs> no, no memories to think back fondly on. Hey, I don't get any hopes up. I can't crush them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, we'll keep playing it. I'm enjoying it. I think it's, for me, it's well worth the purchase and I'm having a great time. Mm. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to inquire with you guys is I saw something on social media and I couldn't disagree with it more. So I wanted your guys' opinion on oh, it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is uh there there was a whole tweet just shitting on the main rival of uh your your character in the game. And I couldn't believe that people were shitting on this character because I was literally talking about it with my friend last night. Or I should say literally, I was talking about it with my friend last night, and we were talking about how happy we are that how the game has started out it the the way the story started out was my favorite of any except the the original um i love the fact that you're best friends with this kid and then you go to see his older brother who is the champion of this pokemon league in the galar area or galar area excuse me mm-hmm. and then you are friendly rivals throughout the entire game and I was like, that's a really fucking cool idea. And I yeah. love the fact They've that when always, you're fighting him, yeah. he's encouraging you too. I, I, don't, I don't get why people yeah. are shitting on him. In all the other ones, he doesn't feel like he's actually a rival. He feels like some obnoxious kid who lives down the street who keeps inviting himself to anything you're doing. We're rivals. No, man, we're we're rivals. Don't don't you remember we're 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 rivals? And this is the only one where I've actually felt like you knew the kid beforehand like maybe maybe you invited yeah. him to your birthday party at some point in the past yeah right well, and, and it wasn't yeah, a pity I, the, invite it yes. wasn't a pity invite either yeah. you're like dude come on come <laughs> hang out 
Yeah. At the time, I really liked Gary, the very first one, just because he was that perfect Game Boy level rival. But yeah, I mean, I don't really think, to, honestly, Shay, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I, I did, I do agree with you though. I loved like my first night with this game was really great. Like just uh, that whole, it was pretty. I mean, coincidental. You just happen to know a guy who happens to be the brother of the Galar Region champion. But you know. The premise is cool. Like even walking around his house, you can see the trophies for his brother in there, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Like there's a lot of little touches like that that I was noticing in the world. Um, and it looks like one thing we touched on briefly was because it looks like it's you know across the pond, the the United Kingdom version of Pokemon. You know, um, like we said last week with the telly, it it has a nice sort of feel and look to it. Like as you'll see as you're getting going farther into it, Shay, like. The way they create the environments and stuff, I think, just have a really nice new feel to the game. Like, if if they had been able to keep yes. some of those little things that I had mentioned before, I think this game would almost be perfect, other than just being easy. And and maybe not like, like there's really not anything for me to criticize too much, other than things that I liked in prior games yeah. that are gone. Yeah, um, like, they've done an awful lot to make this... It's it, it, It's really good. Like, I, I I understand people are going to be personally offended if their particular Pokemon doesn't make it back because there have been yeah. big cuts in order, you know, for them to move to a new console. Yeah. And Pokemon is so personal. Yeah, you're going to make people feel personally offended. Not just, not just angry, oh no, they cut this feature. Like, who gives a shit about the features? They cut my Pokemon. Like... The biggest issue for you is that Blastoise isn't here. That's it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, but granted, you've gotten over it. You have review bombed it yourself, but like I, other I people have haven't. No. Um, but not notwithstanding that, like you're saying, there's just there's so many little touches here that make it just a joy to play through. The the interactions between the characters are great. The yeah, um, the story is swift. I know yeah. it's cheesy, yeah, but it's, it's it, it doesn't well. bog you it's... down with a ton of crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They there's a ton of user friendliness stuff, like the whole not needing extra items and whatnot to start, you know, getting experience passed around. Uh, held items just show up. A couple hours into the game, you'll start finding them on the ground instead of having to go yeah. off in these ridiculous side quests out of the way and whatnot. That's been a mechanic for generations, but they don't show up until the end of the game. You just start finding them. Like, okay, here's some here's some stuff I can give this to my Pokemon to hold to change how they uh, work in battle. It's neat that you just get those way earlier in the game, so you can actually interact with mechanics that you just didn't until the end of the game before. Um, yeah. It just it's yeah. it's cool, and we're so into the weeds yeah, I, on this stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, like nine nine out of ten of these things we've been talking about are just only only issues to people who've been playing the game for twenty years, like us. So, right, exactly. And it, as as funny as the rest of that comment was that Morgan read earlier, the one thing that I will agree with the comment on is a lot of a lot of criticism i think we personally have it is it is coming from a place of love and i'm sure some people when Mm -hmm. they hear our criticisms of this episode they're gonna imitate us much like we uh morgan imitated that other comment but at the end of the day i'm super pleased with this game uh so far i've loved the story 
it, like you guys are saying, it's it's swift. It, there's not a bunch of fluff. They've added a lot of mechanics to get rid of the stuff that at 30 years old, 30 plus years old, we're not enjoying anymore, like grinding or, you know, farming certain things. They've made it more accessible. They've made it more enjoyable. And it looks beautiful. And I'm excited to keep playing it going forward. Agreed. Um, I do want to say again, before we talk to Shay about Outer Worlds and get to some really exciting polls, uh, so you know, f- what was that, Fish? You had something to say? That's what I thought. Um, remember, you can support us at patreon.com slash swordchomp. <laughs> I thought you were going to play an audio clip. <laughs> I I dug around today, but I didn't want to make Fish more sad. Um, let's see. Uh, patreon.com slash swordchomp. And of course, redbubble.com slash people slash sword chomp if you want to buy some merch but we have so many cool tiers if you want to support us and again just going and leaving an itunes rating is a huge deal for us so thank you um now shay this is a little bit of a twist here we have um a surprising viewpoint on outer worlds from my one shay layton which was not exactly what i expected but i think it should make for some interesting discourse before we pop into the polls here Outer Worlds being one of the games nominated for Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Um, Shay, you were really excited about this being a Fallout um, groupie. Um, <laughs> Aficionado. Yeah, I just like the idea. I'm the you. elite status fan. <laughs> uh, and you were really excited about playing this game, so talk to me about Outer Worlds. Yeah, I it was on my list this year of most anticipated games. It's been on my list for games I was looking forward to for the remaining of the year that we did, I think, back in September. It's a game that I told so many people, when this game drops, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be Fallout in space. And I quit playing it because I got really <gasps> bored. I got really fucking bored. And I was really surprised by that. Um, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I I booted it up and I was so excited. Like, I was making my character. I did my best to make a Jeddard Shepherd just to piss Morgan off. And um, <laughs> it's... That's, that's a Mass Effect reference for people that don't. Yeah. And that's been the, the, the highest point of the game is walking around and people are like, Jeddard Shepherd, did you know? And then they keep calling my character Jeddard Shepherd, which makes me laugh. Um, but outside of that... I've not enjoyed the game. I don't. I haven't paid any attention to the story. I've, I've, I sit there and I read it and I listen to what's going on, and it goes in one ear and out the other. It goes in one eye, eyeball and out the other. I know that's not an expression, but I just made it today. You're welcome. Um, I just, I can't be <laughs> fucked to pay attention to the story. I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's been fucking. The storytelling is bad at the beginning. They throw you into it trying to make it exciting but in the process they give you so little information that you have nothing to hold on to um it's kind of the opposite of the whole vault intros which are long-winded and just a chore to get through and like they they drag on too long they overcorrected here is what happened they're like we'll we'll give you this quick high action cutscene, and then you're just in the game they don't tell you anything. It's, you you have no 
like a couple hours in, you'll get the option to have another conversation with them. You don't have to. You can just continue on with the story, or you can go talk to that main character at the beginning of the game again. It's it's too little, too late. Um, right. Yeah. So the guy basically the the ten second version is what you were freed from like this you are chamber where they had a bunch of a bunch of like a colony of people. Yeah. The you are yeah. on one of the. I don't know. I don't think they've said how many colony ships were originally supposed to make it to this system, but you were on the mm. one that didn't show up um, for whatever reason. There's probably a story reason why you guys didn't, other than it just got lost. Like, th- yeah. there's, there's enough going on there that that's interesting, but they don't give you any of that. You just wake up there, get immediately sent to this first planet, and are on your way dealing with completely unrelated things. Yeah, because he wants on. you to help you. Yeah, sort of help him with getting all this, this, these help these people, right? Mm-hmm. But not really explicitly explained. Well, that's the why thing. This like, matters they to have you. the actual goal is interesting, but the steps to get there are not. Because you're essentially um, just yeah. collecting supplies for him to thaw these people out, instead yes. of it. Yeah. It's, it's well, strange. most of what I think people enjoy you know, with the game comes from meeting other people. No, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I interrupted. I didn't remember a single word of any of this from the story. I completely forgot about all of this. They don't give you it, enough of it. I didn't it, get this until going through it later on. Yeah, like it's it just, it's completely yeah. forgettable, and it's interesting because I remember back when we reviewed uh, New Vegas, which is. Another uh, Fallout New Vegas, which is another Obsidian title that came out back in 2010. Uh, for those that weirdly don't know and live under a rock, uh, Josh was not so high on that intro, and I remember I absolutely loved it. I love that intro because it gives you something to work towards immediately that you care about. Your character is shot at the beginning of the game, and try and they try and bury you alive because they think you're dead, but you're somehow found, revitalized, and then you have to go find your killer. Now, Josh wasn't super high on that, but they built the stakes up early on in the game. There was enough tutorial exposition to make you want to go out there. This game has none of that. And, and then you do and nothing exactly about it for the next saying. 80 hours. Again. Yeah. I, you're, wow. you're telling me this about Fallout 3? I knew there wasn't a vault, or about New Vegas? No, New Vegas. You were yeah. telling me this about New Vegas? I didn't remember any of that again. Like, well, no, you go up against the. Aren't you chasing that guy down that tried to kill you the whole time? Pretty do much? you? I don't yes. think I ever did a single story mission in that game because the main story is complete nonsense. Like it. Oh, I I can't agree with you on that. But all the side stuff is amazing, but because it's side stuff. Um, oh man, the the main is kind of what I've been feeling like in this Vegas game so is- far. So. Uh, the story in New Vegas is amazing, and I know this isn't supposed yeah. to be about New Vegas, but <laughs> the whole Kaisar arc, all that stuff was really damn yeah. good. No, it's still the best but one of just, the, the first three, but like the 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 inciting incident is still it. They don't give you enough right away. You weren't a fan of it, okay? Yeah, interesting. It felt like this. It felt like until you have a context of more later on, it doesn't mean anything. And that's it. Well, the thing that it's the thing that Chase said that I thought was funny that I was upset that I agreed with because it sounded absurd to say this out loud was that it wasn't as charming as Fallout, 
And I was like, that can't be right because those games are buggy and and fall. And I was like, well, like you know, there is something to that though because if you think about the Fallout games, let's put aside their problems, you know, being buggy and you know, a lot of system issues or people have tried to do quests and stuff. They have a lot of charm from the the style to the art direction to you know how they compose those quests and and whatnot. So there's something to that, I think that maybe Obsidian is lacking here. Because whenever Obsidian made Fallout New Vegas, they were able to basically make their game under this powerful guise of the Fallout name. Everyone was going to play this new Fallout game. You know, it's... And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, yeah. Apparently Josh I mean, absolutely. scowling at me. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Shay. First you, you respond, and then Josh yells at me. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll yell at both of us for this. I I absolutely agree with you because obviously I'm the one who made the statement. Um, but also I agree. With, <laughs> I also agree because just there's something about Bethesda games, the older Bethesda games, that a lot of the characters you came across they evoked some emotion from you, whether you liked them, whether you found them incredibly obnoxious, whether you hated them, whether you felt perplexed why they existed. There were some characters, or there's some emotion that all the characters I feel that you felt as a result. And this is completely anecdotal uh, for me. And that was the case with Bethesda games, whether it was Oblivion, Skyrim, any of the Fallout games that have come out, even Obsidian's. With this game, I feel nothing for any of these characters. Like, I couldn't give a fuck less what happens to them one way or another. Like, you're getting all these companions, and that is one high thing I do want to say about the game, is, like, they do give you companions, and it may, and the companions are awesome in the game. That is yeah. one almost, of the things I do almost like. Almost all of them. Yeah, almost all of them are, are great, and the others may be great, but, again, the intros are weak enough that I've not gotten to know them, because the intros were so weak right. that I'm more invo- invested in the other characters so far. Right, um, exactly. I almost care about those companions. I almost feel something for them. Yeah. Pavardia, I, really I did almost care about. Yeah. Yeah. It's I just I like, could have in another life. I mean, it's like, oh, okay, this guy, he, he uses melee weapons. Cool. So he'll be that guy. And that's the level, that's the level of feeling I have from these characters. And I think that's a big, for me, I think that's part of why the Bethesda charm is missing from this game. I I feel like part of why the Bethesda charm is missing from this game as well, besides it not being a Bethesda title, before anyone in listening is like, well, it's not even Bethesda. Well, I fucking know. But um, besides that, I just feel like the the whole thing with Bethesda games is a lot of, when you're doing missions and stuff like that, realistically, a lot of them are long winded. They really are. If we're being objective, like when you're doing guilds in Oblivion, they take for fucking ever to do the guild quests. But that's what's charming about it is like you are spending all this time to do these simple missions and you're investing so much time. And I I think what ended up happening is they were trying to make this compact version of this style of game. And as a result, they had to remove so much from the story, so much from the character development, so much from a lot of these other elements that add to the story 
And it just it left me feeling like it's just this hollow story that there's no stakes in it. There's no emotion in it. It just exists. And it feels like it's secondary to the mechanics of the game or the way the art direction looks. And for me, the reason why I play those style of games is primarily for the story, secondarily for the awesome mechanics that do exist within the game. Josh? I'll give you the weak intro because that is like, it's, 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 it's not good. Um, like, like I said, the whole, the reason I care about any of this stuff is because of talking to random townspeople and whatnot and kind of getting different takes about, um, about the missing ship. None of which was at the beginning. Um, stuff like, for example, um, certain places you go the ship is not missing oh it it, it was a myth it, it's it's not a thing they're not allowed to talk about it anymore for whatever reason like they're again like i'm I'm not to the end because i've been so busy with everything else but they they have like this mythology around these old stories because um <sighs> I don't know. This there there is no charm in Bethesda games though. Like this is like Fallout was interesting before they got it. They fucked it up whenever Bethesda was working with it. Like the good one was made by again, the originals again with New Vegas. And they're doing the same thing again. I'm I'm not saying this game is perfect. It's not really amazing. It's just fine. Like it's it's not like I like it less than New Vegas, but it's still good. Um. Yeah, like it just it. Really, You'd say you like this. You like this less than new. Yeah, less than New Vegas, but more than Fallout Three or Four. Yeah, I mean the the thing it has <clears throat> above New Vegas is that it actually runs well, like because it's not a buggy mess. Like they managed <clears throat> to make a game that runs, like a Fallout game that isn't <clears throat> broken ninety percent of the time is a different experience. We've not we've not had this before, <clears throat> um, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, a lot of the changes they made are strange and so far not great. Um, the whole moving from planet to planet thing gives you a change of setting, but because they're trying to get across this cohesive world feeling that the other games have always had, like with a certain place, it doesn't feel like it changes enough. Like it feels like you're kind of encountering the same problems, the same sort of the same people all over. And it, I mean, it makes sense why yeah. that's happening. Cause it's supposed to be like, not a lot of people colonized this whole solar system. Um, yeah. So they're like, they're trying to get the smaller feel across, but it still is strange. Like I, I want bigger sweeping changes going from one place to another. And I don't feel like I'm getting it. Like, I feel like there should be more adventure whenever I step on a new planet that I just don't get in this game. And I feel like that would be, a big enough draw to to kind of get you through the fetch quests you're doing for the guy who's keeping you away from I'm assuming an interesting story cuz all the backstory I'm getting around this around around the uh the colony ship you were from is really interesting so far it's just none of the quests they're giving you involving that are actually interesting um yeah 
Yeah, it's just like it's hmm. it's it's almost a great game is the issue. It's like the way they're pacing the main story is not good. Like that's that's the major thing. Like if they could just get out of their kind own of feels way, like an afterthought. Yeah, if they could yeah. just get out of their own way and give you that story in more of a I mean, just front load a little bit more of it. Well, Give us more of this information. I think you could pursue, yeah. if you pursue it, if you choose to pursue just the main story like I did, beating the game in seven hours, um, you, you didn't I think pursue you the can... main story. You skipped all the cutscenes, is what you did, which is why you kept asking us about stuff that they told you. But yeah, like, I don't, like, that's, that's always been an issue with Fallout the games because there's, there's so much the people, side right? quest in them, like, <clears throat> that you can, yeah. you can miss the main story. So that's, that's, but even when I'm doing the main story, the, I don't feel like I'm getting more story. You don't feel like you're getting enough. Yeah, of I'm that. not getting story. But in you it, like, but so. don't you like this? You like the side content enough to where it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. But again, like I was saying, like it doesn't feel different from planet to planet enough. Kind of samey. Yeah. yeah, their their plights are similar. They're similar. That's, concept, that's the thing. Yeah. Like I feel like they need to do one or the other a little better. Um, like give you more main story beats when you're doing the main story. So that feels like the big draw or they need to make the planets just a little more different. Um, I, um, to make the side quests feel like the big draw. So like I, it was, it was tough after all this wave of stuff. I tried to go back and put like two more hours into it. Just, I was just trying to connect with it. Like the way some people are, cause mm -hmm. it's frustrating me. I was like, I don't get why I'm not connecting with this game. There's a lot of people I respect that seem to be really connecting with it. I could not put my finger on it. And I, for me, the biggest thing I can connect with is just the way Obsidian makes games in this particular case. I don't like the combat and I don't like the art. And those are the killers for me. Like, I just, I don't like my, the, the kind of, the art direction is not bad. The implementation, like when I walk up to a character, like, I just don't find them visually interesting or lifelike i don't even if the writing is, is good yeah the art style um, is strange like it's brighter colors i like that but it's not it feels like it's not bright enough colors because it, it they're going for this like you know just kind of uh um you know f fuck my brain is just completely no, I know what you mean. The term, it's like, but like the 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 old fifties sci-fi shows, like they're going yeah, for that. Yeah. With you know this over-the-top stuff, but it still kind of feels washed out. Like it's like you're looking at it from that era from now, um, like looking back at it instead of kind of living through it. It doesn't feel as over-the-top and big, which is something like. And that's something you think it's a production value. No, thing, no, maybe, it's not. It's just own? I think it's I think it was just a just a slight miss on the tone they were trying to get um, because they almost get there like that, that we, we, we've been talking about menus a few times kind of in our own chat The the intro menu to this thing gets it. You got this rattly old ship that feels like it's just kind of barely standing up there with this bright yellow logo and you know, essentially jungle book music playing behind there. Like, okay, I get it. I get what they are. I get the feeling they're trying to get across. And then when you start playing the game, it doesn't feel like you're in the middle of a Buck Rogers episode or an old, you know, original run of Star Trek. It doesn't, you don't get quite those 
grand scale feelings in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's because it's so much like a Fallout game still. Like, it still feels like you're trying to do all this little nitty-gritty stuff, getting really involved yeah. with everyone instead of going off and having a big adventure. Um, well, one of the things I tweeted that people seem to connect with that was I basically just said it felt like Obsidian started a Kickstarter and said, we want to make a Fallout-style game. Here's our Kickstarter. And it just barely got funded. And, and they, I guess, succeeded in that regard. But that's, to me, how it feels like. I could, I could see that I mean, a little bit. I don't. I don't think that's a fair comparison. I, I feel like there are a lot of things that this game does that hit the mark, or at least par for the course. Uh, one thing that you guys were talking about earlier is the art direction. I felt it was like too fantasy. Like I was like there are multiple times where it reminded me of something like a Dragon Age or um, a uh, fucking what is that? Kingdoms of Amalur with the way things are like glowing and sparkling and shit. And I was like. It's kind of it, like it gave me that feeling multiple times that like I was playing in a very high fantasy setting. Yeah, they don't feel so alien as they feel fantastical sometimes, maybe. Yes, yes. They get there yes. sometimes. Some of the enemies are like really sci fi, uh, like a lot more of the that's bug type ones, but like. Especially that first zone, you get these essentially hulking behemoth-looking things, and you're like, "That's that's a Final Fantasy monster or something." Like that that thing's been in Dragon Age. Um, yeah, that's fine. I like that. <laughs> that's actually stuff that I like. But then, like enough. once you get to the second and third planets, you get more bug type yeah. stuff, and you're like, "That's really that's cool." So where where was this at the very beginning? Um, right. Yeah. It's it's showing during the load screens. It's it's showing all this like biological breakdown this anatomical breakdown of these creatures yeah. that i've never fucking yeah. seen yeah you start fighting those and well, the, it's really cool will, like yeah. it's it's way more interesting uh their hit uh, like their their weak points are on different spots instead of just shoot them in the face like you do with everything else yeah because they're way more different anatomically so you'll have to like yeah. learn these new enemies um right but the combat's not as good as the vat system it's no, way better than no, the vat system the vats sucks. Like vats is garbage. <gasps> I don't. How dare you? Like you How actually get to play a shooter in this game. Well, but it's not a. That's true. That's good true. Shooter. That is true. So wait. So and you'd th- rather play a shooter than an RPG? I I don't understand. That's a strange thing coming from you. Like yes, it's the it's a middle ground. It's not bad. It's fine. They did not do the shooting with the slow motion mechanic as good as other games like Red Dead, and they didn't do the vat system. As good as or an RPG stuff, it's it's fine. I don't think it's bad. I just think that it's not as good as either of those things. It's like stuck in the middle. It's like a nice, you One. know. I'd be fine if you picked like an actual shooter to talk about the whole shooting, but but yeah, I still I I I will give you the it is a well, middle ground because it's not an amazing shooter. It's just I'm fine. talking about the combat system. I'm sorry, I'm talking no, about the it's combat system. The yeah, it's it's it's, yeah, it's a middle of the road to, shooter. Yeah. Like it's not if amazing. You, yeah. So. Well, uh, if you don't use the, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called now, the slowdown mechanic in the game. It's like the heart and soul of the whole combat yeah. system. Um, yeah. If you just played it walking around shooting things, then it would just be the most generic shooter out there. I don't even know why you'd want to do that, really. I do like that they tried to put a slow motion mechanic in the game to make it a little more interesting. I just felt like it wasn't, I don't want to say half-baked because that implies that they 
somehow rushed it or didn't do it. It just felt like it was in the middle of games that do that better, but not as interesting as I know. Look, the VAT system has been around for a long time. Unless we need to beat that to the ground. I just loved sort of the how RPG esque that felt to me. I just enjoyed that system. It's, it's it's in theory like when it was released for that time because I just played the shit out of Fallout Four last year. Um, so I'm an expert on this. So when I <laughs> when, um when you use the VAT systems back back then, it was revolutionary. It was amazing. It did a lot of things, and it kind of has brought certain elements of shooting games to where it is today, like the slowdown mechanic. That, the VATS was a predecessor to that in a lot of ways. Going back and playing, I realized something that I didn't realize before about the VATS system, it was, because it was so revolutionary at the time, that when you use VATS, it's either like you're overpowered and there's no need for it because you're going to kill the guy anyways, but it's cool to target the head just to watch a like like a little quick uh, snapshot cutscene of the bullet just arcing towards the head and then the head explodes. Exploding that was head. cool. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, but that that scene is more cool than actually using the VAT system. But either you're overpowered and you're doing things like that, or there's absolutely no point to using the VAT system because you're not going to do an- enough damage anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like the fact that you could use the VAT system to cripple enemies as well. That was cool. I think there is some merit to the VAT system still being awesome. Um, and I think I, I, to say it's terrible, I couldn't agree with that at all. Uh, to say that it has started to become dated, I would agree. And I think that sure, yeah. And yeah. I think that this the 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 system that they implemented into this game was a very safe system to implement. Um, yes. A lot safe. of other games. This game is extremely safe. And that's and I think that's my ultimately my biggest problem with this game. Yeah, it's it's essentially vats without wasting your time with a hidden roll, or not hidden, but not but but with a random chance roll, because you have to actually still aim in this, but um, you don't cripple enemies or do any of the special like area effects unless you slowed down time. So, like, it gives you access to those special things. Like, if you want to slow someone down or blind someone or or lower their damage or something, you have to slow down time to do it. But then you're still just aiming, like usual. Um, that said, it's a shooter, and I think that's part of the issue. You don't need to do any of that. Um, you just headshot everything. You kill it in one or two hits, and you're done. So you don't need to... That, that's always been the issue with this, with Fallout, with any of them. They have that's these, they have these RPG systems, and <laughs> it's not an RPG. Like, the, the uh, exploration is RPG-based. The, the, the talking is RPG-based. And then, you, like, like Shay was saying, you either have the damage to just blow them away, or you cannot kill them. There's no, like, intelligent kiting them around or slowing them down. It doesn't slow them down enough. You're, you're either blowing them away or, like, it's... That's, that's, that's been the issue since they moved to the, um, you know, first-person shooter model from the top-down thing. Like, it, it used to actually be an RPG. It hasn't been in forever. 
and a lot of these RPG systems don't do anything in the combat. They just they they serve See, no I, purpose. I think they didn't think in Fallout. Just, they still don't yeah. in this. Well, that's why we disagree. I think I've never looked at Fallout as a shooter. I look at Fallout it is, as an RPG. It is a shooter. That was the whole reason it became I, popular. Like it was well, the first two Fallout's were not. They were RPGs, and then they mm-hmm. made it a shooter. It became mm-hmm. really popular. You can and shoot it's it. not you a can good shoot shooter. People. But I don't consider or, it's it a not shooter. that it's not a good shooter. It's that the <clears throat> RPG mechanics don't add anything to the shooting. Like they, they just add everything to the shooting. Uh, they they don't. They don't. They just that, put a level on it as of whether or not you can kill something. That's it. Anyways, I'm not. I enjoyed it. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing ever. I'm just saying I liked it better than the problem with this game is that Obsidian to me has proven that they don't want to be ambitious. I think that they they've always kind of been a B level B level developer until they got that Fallout. What? Um, clout with uh, they made basically the best PC games for an entire generation or you know, like entire generation there had their IP bought out and made you know again and yeah what okay They've well then they're not the ambitious anymore game then company I mean, at like- any point in history. Mm, no, remember what? Remember that we read about Obsidian on when we talked about Outer Worlds a couple weeks ago about them being trapped in that weird, goofy B schlock era, like of they have. Like their games are, it it's hard to say in particular because Fallout New Vegas. I know you guys feel like those games being very buggy, but um, I when I look at the Outer Worlds, it just just doesn't feel like they had any particular ambition for it. They just like, hey, let's make one of those games again, and that's fine. I think people enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just look. I don't. We can disagree on that. That's fine. I, think, I just don't consider I think, them. I think they had a lot there um, to make it. Like you said, they they had a lot there to make it a great game. But I think at the end of the day, it just wasn't actualized. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they wanted to make a shorter game. I don't know if it's because money limitations. I don't know if it's because of uh studio and developer limitations i don't know what it was it's a very it's a very safe game it's a very it's a very middle of the road game it's like if you want to play another um fallout style game or open world style um, game shooter game um it's a very decent shooter it doesn't excel in anything in terms of shooting doesn't excel in anything in terms of uh graphics or uh Art design doesn't excel anything in player choices, story. To me, it doesn't excel in anything. It just exists. It's a game that if you want to fill that Fallout itch, it exists there. Um, and it you know what? For some people, that works for me. Going it back, like it almost gets there with some of the, like you, you were saying, uh, the builds in this game are actually interesting because they. We were talking about this whenever we were first starting the game if you take points out of stuff, the penalties are so much bigger than they have been in this genre in a while. So you could change up your play style significantly, significantly. And just instead of, this has always been, this has been a game problem. And like basically any game with skill trees for forever is that like you end up completely overpowered by the end like the none of the choices actually make any difference and it kind of feels like they're almost back to the old you know pc rpg stage where like 
your build drastically changed the way you had to approach situations. Um, not quite. They didn't quite get there because it's still, again, a shooter. But, like, the out-of-combat stuff feels closer to that again, uh, which has been kind of neat. Um, again, Interesting. I, don't, I, I don't think that's the, like, even, like, best of the year. Like, they, there's still been other examples, like Disco Elysium, which is kind of, again, going back to that, the original roots of the genre on PC in the 90s. Um it, yeah, like I, yeah, there's I, it's I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's tough. Like I feel like I it's just frustrating for me because I feel like I'm somehow missing something that people are really enjoying, and I didn't even dislike it. I finished it. I wouldn't say I really thoroughly enjoyed it. We've I beat that to a pulp. You can listen to some of our older shows, but I mean, I just feel like I'm missing out on something. I don't, I don't get it. Like I don't get what I'm missing that 80 other publications voted was worthy of being one of the best games of the year. I'm like, what am I missing here? Like, I agree. It's frustrating. It's the me. companion missions. Like that's it. Like that is that is mm-hmm. the high, the high of the high. There, do the companion missions and kind of skip everything else. Um, that's that's where the interesting stuff is. That seems like where all the effort went into the game. Those are just genuine, genuinely good. Figuring out kind of the different companions takes on the world seems to be where a lot of the effort went um yeah i just wish i enjoyed playing it more but switch their own i guess you know it's fine i finished it i did it at the end of the day (laughs) i I do i do i want to go back and i do want to try and get through the game and see if i end up liking more of it but yeah, like you, Morgan, I feel like I've missed I've missed out on something. Like, a ton of people like this game, and I don't understand why they like it so much. I just feel like I'm missing something. Yeah, I do too. Um, But a lot of people seem to be enjoying it because it was one of the five nominees for Game of the Year at the Game Awards, among other stuff, which is our big event in the gaming industry. Uh, more of like the fun event. Like, there's a lot of awards in our industry that have prestige, like the BAFTAs and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think the game awards are more prestigious. It's just they're one of the biggest uh, shows we have right now. They'll get th- one of the cool things about the game awards that was really smart they did is they brought in new trailers for new games. So it's become almost like a mini E3 where like you show up to watch the game awards, you see a bunch of cool people from the industry. It's a big celebration, but then they have like five or six uh, trailers that drop for new games so they mm-hmm. get that extra which is smart i think on keely's end there yeah um, they trick yeah, you into the f- watching two hours of commercials i really like the game awards josh <laughs> and uh if you don't want to stream it with us that's fine but i'll have you know that 70 percent of our audience would love to come watch us do commentary on twitch so you should think about it you can make fun of it the whole time if you want mm-hmm. it's your it's your right as a human being um you can make fun of me the whole time but we'll see. We'll talk we about can it. We both I mean, make fun of fish idea. for saying he'll be there and then not yeah. showing up. <laughs> that would be fun. Because I, <laughs> I can do the spectacle. Josh just thinks it's silly. I just enjoy the 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 fun. The I enjoy the the theater of it all. You know, seeing Mads Mikkelsen and Ashley Birch walk walk down. You know, and, and Keeley and all these trailers. To me, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, and people said they like to show up and watch the stream. So we'll talk about it. We'll talk about mm-hmm. it. We'll see if it's something you guys want to do. You know, we can make it an event. Um, but I will say the five game, I want to do just a fun prediction just for fun. Uh, the five games that were nominated for game of the year were 
um, The Outer Worlds, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, uh, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, and um, shit, I'm forgetting a big one. One fault. <clears throat> Sekiro. So, um, I this has been a, a magical year for me because I'm going to actually be able to almost finish every game on this list, which is pretty cool. Um, I, my prediction is that it'll be something safe that wins. And this is why I feel this way. I feel like every game on this list is going to have supporters and detractors in particular stuff. That's very polarizing, like death stranding. I'd love to see that win for the anarchy. Don't think it's going to happen. We just had our discussion about outer worlds makes me think that that's probably something that's happening. Uh, in more places than one. Resident Evil 2, we tried to tell you it was great, it's great, it's great, it really is amazing, but it also is a remake. So I think that leaves me with Sekiro and Smash, and I think Sekiro is just such a specific challenging thing, I wouldn't be surprised if Smash Brothers wins. <laughs> just out of, like, a weird, you know... The Smash one always just... Because these happen at the beginning of December, we've talked about this before, there's a bunch of stuff on here that came out last year, and like we already talked about it and it's like it's not that it wasn't good it was just like it feels like we already talked about it and i've kind of i've written it off in my own mind then seeing it back there again is like oh yeah they yeah the, yeah you know gaming awards as a whole have missed this so it's it's time to to be revisiting these things which is is strange um well that's the cool thing about the smash thing is that I was thinking about this last year that came out in December. I think it's cool that they honored it and said, look, we feel like this game is still worthy in this crop still voted by these 80 publications. Yeah. I went and looked at them today and it came back and well, dude, we played a lot of smash. Let's be honest. Yeah. We played a lot of smash at the beginning of this year. Uh, that's an incredible game. It's the first smash game I ever fell in love with Ganondorf RIP fish. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's cool. They honor that. I would say objectively, it's probably a slower year. I don't think, what I think makes this game of the year fun is, look, I've I've come around on that, Josh, because there's so many games I love in the back part of the year. Fire Emblem, mm-hmm. Death Stranding, Control. Oh, Control! I almost didn't mention Control. Control's incredible. That could win, too. Um, so I finished, yeah, and the only game on this list that I won't have finished by next week when I finish Death Stranding is Sekiro, so I should probably do that just so I can, you know, suck my own dick a little bit. But the point I'm getting at is this year doesn't have, like, a shining, easy choice, like, last year it was pretty easy with either God of War, Red Dead, or the year before it was Zelda. This year doesn't have that, like, because Death Stranding ended up being very polarizing, I don't feel like there's that home run choice, which makes this interesting. Like, I have no idea, like what's gonna what's gonna win so that's my prediction i'm gonna say it's gonna be controller smash but just because of the anarchy of it all i'm gonna say smash wins um what do you think josh not what you want to win but what do you think will win Mm. what do i think will to guess the pulse of the industry That's tough. I do. Mm. I know control. Now that I said smash, I'm thinking control. Smash has a chance because like you're saying, it's sold so ridiculously well. I think out of, out of the ones Mm -hmm. there, like I feel like enough people have just gotten into that one. Um, But they might be like, Oh, it's just another smash game. But then again, it got nominated for game of the year. So eh. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It may be too long ago. Yeah, I'm gonna. Say, you're right. I know I'm changing my vote to control. That's what I think is gonna win, not what I think should win. Although I love control, fucking love. 
I was annoying Shay this year by telling him trying to give him to play control. All and he was just like, "Shut up, Morgan! Just shut your mouth! Shut your dirty whore mouth!" Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm gonna play it. Just no time right now. I'll get around to it next month. That's fine. I you know I definitely think you should get around to it. Um, after Death Strand, what do you think, Shay? What's your guess? What's your if you had to guess? I'm I'm gonna go with Control as my prediction, as the safer choice. Josh, are you also on Control? I don't think not for best game. It um Yeah, we talked before about the anyway. Oh, you think the, combat the combat's might pull not down great. Like, like it's almost great. Like yeah. they they put one good gun in there, but it's it's not Let's go anarchy. Yeah. Let's just say all the Kojima haters somehow Yeah, maybe. Uh, like I yeah. I almost feel like that could be it because it's a recent and then I also feel like the people who are more interested in it are more of like the people doing awards and stuff. Like it's just, it's more of a, I don't know. It feels like more I of an industry pleaser. Maybe we'll see. It, it's uh, still so strange. People are so up. I mean, I got a 6.8 from IGN. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> IGN. I'm just joking. Uh, I just, I, I just think it's too polarizing, even though I'd love to see the anarchy. That's it. I'm locking my vote in for control now. Bang. Okay. Josh, lock in a vote. Lock in a vote. I'm I'm still going with Smash, like as far as just oh, guess. Like, it's a big guess. Okay. Again, I don't There you go. I don't think any of those are Damn the it. game of the year, but I just think I should have said Smash too. I will tell you this. That top five looks eerily close to mine. Uh Shay, what is your guess? Um, since Josh guessed Super Smash, I'm not I'm not gonna guess that just so we have some difference of opinion. But I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be Resident Evil 2, or it's going to oh, be Oh, wow. Super Smash. Interesting. <laughs> cool. Man, like, wouldn't it be wild? One, one of those two choices the is the choice. <laughs> a remake winning game of the year would be so great. But I, I like Dude, that there's a little Res- credence Resident to Resident like, Evil yeah. is so loved, is the thing. And That remake is really, it's, really It's, it's the best good. remake that's ever been made, period. And everyone fucking loved it this year. Everyone, except Josh. Josh never played um, it. <laughs> I know, I'm just razzing. Because I, I annoyed Josh to try to get him to play it, and I don't know why. I don't know why I keep trying to get Josh to play I, it. I don't know why you try and annoy people and to do things that never works. I annoy such, my wife. Such a stellar stuff. strategy. <laughs> I annoy my wife into marrying me, and it worked. Please. Um, that's yeah, you sound really happy uh, about that, too. Um. Hey, I'm very Another kid on the way in a couple days. Thank you. I know. I know. Um, okay, so the votes are locked in. Yeah, Smash was my safe choice, but something like Josh said, it's been a while. I'm thinking there's a lot of control of the industry. But man, I'd like to see some anarchy. We'll see what happens. Uh, and maybe you can see what happens with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some fun polls here I wanted to flip through as we close the show. Man, it's been a, even without fish, we've been waxing and waning our little butts Dude, off. It's a long fucking of- show. Oh man, our shows are only now we're top 100 now, Shay. Our podcasts have to be all seven hours long. Um, we're top 80, bro. We're, we're, com- we're competing with Joe Rogan. All right, so he's got seven no, hour podcasts. We're not. Com- we're com- it's top 100 video games. It was podcast. a joke. It was a joke. Yes, I know that. Good God. Fucking imbecile. This isn't top 100 drug podcasts. Um,. Sonic, the redesign came back out after all that uh, controversy and fuss. 
and I asked our audience. Now, by the way, I run these polls every Monday night to Tuesday night on the at Swordchomp Instagram. You vote, we discuss them. 90% of our audience said they liked the new design. That surprised me. That was higher than I thought. Um, it looks good. It does. It looks really good, I think. Mm-hmm. Movie's probably terrible, but the new design looks great. So, Oddly enough, not just, a, a yes, the design is a million times better, but the trailer they released doesn't look like a complete garbage fire either. Granted, it was basically all the same footage, but the way they re-edited it, yeah, um, by music and everything. Yeah, it, like, yeah. It, it, it was that was way more of an interesting looking trailer overall. It still doesn't look great. You know, it still it still looks like a Sonic movie, but it doesn't look atrocious like when that first trailer came out. So yeah, maybe like a pleasant kids movie. So yeah. Although we have another poll coming up next week that Shay wanted us to ask them, but yeah, there's some there's some funny angles there. But I'm ha- I'm I'm happy that Sonic fans are happy, and it does look like Sonic now instead of random, ugly, creepy hedgehog. Um, my kid would not be horrified by this Sonic anymore. Mm-hmm. So ninety percent is pretty rare. Um, would you be interested in discuss uh, in us discussing the Mandalorian uh, on the podcast? Eighty percent of our audience said yes. So you guys can think about the Mandalorian is the new hot show on Disney Plus about a bounty hunter, Star Wars. Have you guys seen the Mandalorian yet? Nope. Nope. Well, have has the internet ruined the big surprise at the first episode? Have you seen the memes everywhere? I don't care. I'm not going to be watching it. So I don't care. <sighs> All right. Well, sorry, 8% of our audience. Chase mm. refuses to watch the Mandalorian. I do. I refuse to support Disney Plus. Really? Is that is that real? You really don't like yeah, Disney Plus? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Is there a reason why? Yeah, because I think that they're too powerful of a corporation and I see and I hear and see so many people saying, "Oh, they're too powerful. They have all these tied. Oh my god." And then they keep sucking the Disney teat. And, you know, at the end of the day, the thing is like I get I get the whole point of capitalism and everything, but like I and yeah. you know what? The, Everyone the, else the, can disagree with this. I, but I, I agree feel like with if you. If I support that, then I'm supporting the. There's nothing you can individually companies. do here because the issue is that they were allowed to buy as much as they have. Right. That's that's. There's no. There's no. It's not a matter of supporting them or not. They've bought everything. There's right. There's nothing else. They own all the things now. It's not like choose an alternative. They own the alternative. Right. So yes. it's it's and it's less a matter of deciding not to you know use their service which I'm also not getting because it looks like it just doesn't work currently. Like their streaming they've, is they've gotten hacked. It's, it no, it works fine. Yeah, they've 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 gotten hacked already. They've had streaming issues. It's like it's not ready to they've had a I'll issues. I'll give it 6 months for them to fix their nonsense and uh then we'll get on it, but, but, but yeah, like oh, the, the guys, big thing there is that they they should have been broken up ages ago. They should have been allowed to acquire as many properties as they have. Right, I, and they should have watching... been allowed to rewrite our copyright laws in order to own things they made two hundred years ago. At this point, so right, I I, I was watching this uh, YouTube video of these people. Um, reacting to all the stuff that was going to be on Disney Plus, and people kept being like, 
oh, Disney owns this? Oh, Disney made that? And I was like, no, Disney didn't make any of these. Disney bought all of these the they past bought three the to five years, and you guys haven't yeah. been fucking paying attention. They've been mm-hmm. buying so much shit. They own almost everything at this point. So? Who cares? I care. What's the problem? I care. D- d- if they're bu- Wait, if they're buying... Who cares? Yeah, That's so silly. Problem. No, it's, it's not a problem silly. Because you still have Netflix. Listen, you still have... It doesn't make sense. You shouldn't have to pay You're for any of it keep... at this point. It's so old. All this stuff should be on YouTube for free at this point. It should be... Like... Yeah, The Mandalorian's really old. That's not what he's talking about. You know exactly. Some of the old Disney about. movies, but that's Josh. The, Josh, that's, Josh yeah. you should stop having this conversation with him. He doesn't understand. He's not going to understand. No, He's too busy. The point is, that's not the only thing on. That's not the only thing on the service. You're it doesn't make sense. No, no, it, it no, makes it's sense. Not. You're, you're, you're helping helping pay the lawyers usual. for them to I am continue listening. to own things they shouldn't own. You guys suck the fun out of this whole conversation. Well, you I've seen us. The Mandalorian. And I'll talk about it next week, because I'm very upset this week, honestly. Good, talk about when it you by You guys yourself. are feeling more fun. When you guys are feeling more fun, we'll talk about it. Because people want, people want our opinions on The Mandalorian, and no one cares here, except me. Okay, then talk about it by yourself. Or go talk about it with the fans. I'm going to talk to a wall. It's horrible. <laughs> um... Maybe I you can say talk that. to a baby Yoda action figure. See, you have seen the baby Yoda. How you is that a seen spoiler? Fucking... That would be like it's, someone it's getting mad that it's on Ewok. It's a meme at this point. I just asked you if you've seen the memes. That's what I asked How you. How would we know that was a spoiler? Nothing about that seems like a spoiler. There's never been a baby right. Yoda until right now. Obviously there's a baby Yoda. The... First of all, <gasps> Yoda is a... What? It wouldn't be a baby he... Yoda. It would be... He's never been not old? What? Okay, so what happens is at the end of the first episode, there is this massive twist where the bounty hunters, you know, seeking out this very rare and precious cargo or life form. And that's the big twist when he opens it up. It's this really adorable baby Yoda. And it fucking blew. I'm not even a huge Star Wars nerd. It blew my fucking mind. I, I, I almost dropped my phone. It was so fucking cute and crazy. <laughs> kidding me? Anyway, the show seems... Seems pretty great so far. That's cool. Because you you get to look into the um so bounty hunters of all the bounty hunter um mythos obviously built up from all that Boba Fett love um has been around obviously forever right but the idea I saw you pretend to fall asleep Shay the idea <laughs> is that this show is interesting because you get to go inside the life of a bounty hunter and sort of see what they're doing uh, from the transaction to the way they live. And that is interesting. Obviously he's a character that just talks to a mask. I don't know if you're ever going to see their face. I've only um, just started it, but um, it seems great. It's actually directed by John Favreau, which surprised me. I was like, John Favreau directed this. What the fuck? Um, no wonder he had that cloud uh, crowd pleasing baby Yoda at the end, but fuck the baby Yoda, man. Anyways, it's, it's great. So far. I will not fuck the baby Yoda. And I take great offense that you suggested that anyone ever do that in the first place. I get it. I get it. Disney Plus is the devil. Um, this is a better... <laughs> That's the joke I was trying how... to make, Josh. Don't, don't correct him. That was the joke I was trying to make. Okay. I can't, I can't believe this. how this, this Disney conversation really just blew up in my face. Um... 
so yes, I would love to talk about that more in the future. I will let me finish more of the season because I've only watched you know two episodes. You can only have so much of a formed opinion at that point. It's a it's an ongoing thing, but you won't get the full fledged discussion you want at this point. Maybe I'll do it on one of my private podcasts. Um, bunch of haters. Has a video game ever made you cry? Eighty seven percent of our audience said yes, but I don't really want to delve into this because that I realize that that would be a great topic of the show one day. Talking about video games that have made us cry. Yeah. And I was surprised 87% of our audience said yes, which is pretty crazy. So, um, well, you guys are really going to like this if you like the last one. Should we pick up Star Wars Fallen Jedi for the show after Thanksgiving? 90% of our audience said yes. <laughs> of course, 90% of our audience wants us to pick up the new Star Wars game. And I have people messaging me about that new Star Wars game every single day. So, I will pick... Everyone else has shit to play, and... I don't want to get behind on the big games that matter. So if you guys want, I can, I mean, I know Josh is behind and Shay's behind. So I want to pick up this game. I will take this bullet for you. Okay. I will play star Wars for you, my friends. And for you, our listeners. I love you. Um, so yeah. So, (laughs) so we, so we can give money to Disney and EA at the same time. Thank you for at least saying yes. it out loud. I appreciate it. <laughs> so yes, that that's your that that's your nightmare, right? To be say it, set up. Yes. Give give money to EA and just wow, you guys are really the, <laughs> sucking this out of the. <laughs> all, I, all the Star I really Wars fans didn't are going care to our about podcast that, right that now. much, <laughs> but <laughs> fuck these guys. Since we'd already been um, talking about it for that long, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, look, if the product's good, I don't mind giving my money. Simple as that. The product's bad. I don't want to give my money. But I will probably rent it. I'll probably look for it like a red box or something. So, so I can give red box most of my money and test it out. And then, because, look, I want to play this game to talk about it. <laughs> I didn't even make that so pleasant. <laughs> no, we, uh, we really like it anytime we've, we've talked about something for half an hour and then you say, look, it's never been a letdown. I I will play this game as much as I possibly can. There's just other stuff that I feel like is more relevant for game of the year that I need to finish. I need to make sure I finish Death Stranding because it'll probably be one of the biggest spoiler shows we ever had. I need to make sure I finish Sekiro or at least try. There's other stuff that I have to play that it feels more important. I know we we actually did this fun thing with Fish this week where we were like, Fish, uh, we're going to message you a game that we might bring up a lot at the end of the year, so you should play these games privately. Um, so we'll see if he, he comes through with that, but yeah, I'd rather let's be able to actually talk about stuff this year for game of the year. So instead of just yelling at each other the whole time, it's true. It's true. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult trying to sell one of the best games that came out this past decade when one person didn't even play it and the other one somehow disliked it. But it's still made in the top five games of uh, 2017. Sixteen. Sixteen. Sorry. Sixteen. What what is that a reference to? It sounds like every game we've ever talked about. Hellblade was twenty seventeen. You messed it up. Actually I gotta rate the first time. Twenty sixteen is the first year we started the podcast. That was the uncharted. How'd you actually memorize something? A lot of useless knowledge in here. Trust me. Your preferred controller, Josh. 
eat a dick, 60% of the audience said PlayStation 4 is the preferred controller. They're, they're lying to themselves because they bought the <laughs> good console and are having to deal with their shitty controller. Because that is absolutely the case. There's no reason to own an Xbox. But if you've got a PS4, you're kind of stuck with their controller. What is your big... I'm just curious, because I, I enjoy both the controllers, but the PlayStation 4 one, just because I've had that controller since I was a kid, it does, it's not just nostalgic, it just feels right. But what is it about the PS4 controller that you're not a big fan of, briefly? I'm just curious. It's it's actually fine for the most part. The triggers are not great. Um, the option button is bizarre. It never... Feels. The option button is a little bizarre. It's like a weird start button. Yeah, it's like it's kind of up in a weird corner. It like it just yeah. it's weird. Like it's just I wish minor it things here and there. Yeah. Um the whole touchpad functionality of like the trackpad in the middle not being supported universally. If if every game would let you input text with it, maybe it would go up on the list, but Half the time you'll get into inputting a name and it just won't work because a game doesn't support it like more than half the time. It just, yeah, I never even use it. It, it types faster than trying to get there with the D pad or something. It's, it's nice, but again, it's not supported enough. So it's like half the time you go to do something and it just doesn't do it. It's just wasted space. Kind of. Yeah. But it's got good feel, Josh. Got good button feel. Good handle feel, baby. Joystick feel. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I mean, to be fair, if you want to play Devil's Advocate, you could say more people own a PlayStation, so it could come back that way if you want to be. Well, that's that's, what I said at the beginning. Like, I think that's why it came back that way, because... Because they trick themselves. Into, well, yeah, uh, exactly. So many more people own that system, so they want to believe it's the better controller. It's not, but it's on the better system. So maybe I respectfully disagree, but I like both controllers. Neither uh, of them are bad. See. Neither of them are bad. It's just no, not. No, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, does loving video games make someone more attractive? 80% of our audience said yes. Wow. So that means if you're dating someone and, and they're attractive and they're cool and you find out they enjoy video games. They're suddenly more attractive. I would agree with that, actually. For sure. Um, yes. That's how I fell in love with Fish. Mm-hmm. I found out he was in the video games, and he was so attractive to me at that point. You kind of look like Johnny Depp. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> strange. I didn't see it before, but now suddenly... Uh, he is a ruggedly handsome bastard. Emphasis on the handsome. All right. <laughs> you you were debating on what word to actually put the emphasis on there until the last second. Weren't like you started the second you started that sentence with zero idea of which emphasis which word you were putting the emphasis on. Yeah, but when I thought about it, I'm like, there's nothing rugged about fish. I love him to death, but he is he is about as anti rugged as he gets. Um, but he's a very handsome man. So yeah. I thought you were going to land on bastard. <laughs> Emphasis uh, on the I bastard. The, yeah. Wait, I love the idea that Fish listens from? to this and he just takes issue with that. 
Uh, all right, I think that's pretty much it. The last one was just, um, would people still take the time to leave user reviews if they couldn't leave a score? 51% of our audience said no. So, but that, split right down the middle. Yeah, that sounds and, about right. Yeah. That's actually kind of what I'd expect, too. I'd imagine about half of them would drop off if they, if they couldn't there. Because, like, it's weird. Like, every now and then you'll go into, like, Steam specifically, and you can only get a thumbs up or thumbs down there, but you'll get these, like, page-long reviews with, you know, all these different thought-out points, so... Mm-hmm. There are some people who are taking the whole, you know, user review very seriously, and they'd probably still show up, whether they were allowed to it's give the, it a score or not, so. It's the users, man. It's Tron. The users take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, the users versus the, fuck, no, the users are, we are the users, right? Mm-hmm. In Tron, the humans are the users. I thought I was going with somewhere with that, but I guess I'm not. <laughs> um, we, not really. <laughs> Tron. Uh, okay, well, that was a lot of fun. And now we have to talk about our patrons, which we love so dearly. Sorry, I have someone doing Tokyo Drift in the background. What was happening there? There's Tokyo Drift in the background. Oh. Yeah, oh, there's some I was people talking about Morgan's below whatever, the Monday Night Football oh. or whatever was happening there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for some patrons? All right, let's go. That's hopefully not our theme song for that. <laughs> um, so we, I we did... hit like every night's football theme there, but but, but <laughs> <laughs> trying yeah, to eventually much. get to our our non Patreon theme. Yes. <laughs> so I I had a question for, for my uh, the patrons and then I had a uh something for them to comment on. So this week okay. I just wanted to simply ask them because this is something um we've kind of discussed in the podcast multiple times behind the scenes. Uh when I do the Patreon shoutouts, I try and develop this like very ridiculous story. Um, because I think it's fun and I think it's kind of sets us apart from just saying, okay, the people who support us on Patreon are this, 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 and this, like, it just feels very inorganic and it feels just very hollow to me. So I was trying to think of a a way originally when we first started doing it and I started creating these stories and generally I do those stories. There have been a few times where, you know, I have nothing that comes to mind. So then we just kind of riff. And we just kind of dick off, yeah. but or or um, we veto the sexy time fanfic. And, ooh, and yeah. granted, you 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 know some of the ones we have allowed through. If it gives you any sort right. of idea of the things we vetoed. It's very true. So, I I wanted to ask the patrons what they thought, and of course, the options were just say my name, and that's all I need, baby. And the other one was, I want to be wined, dined, and 69 with a story. That's right. Good job, Morgan. And so we had five of them say, just say my name. And 12 said, I want to be wined, dined, and 69 with a story. And we had a lot of comments on that, surprisingly. (laughs) And I'm going to read them. Wow. So, and this is how it's applicable to Josh, because I told Josh before the show, it was very applicable to him this week. Uh, we have Gamer Dad eighty three 
said, I want Josh to seductively say my name. And I want it to be singled out like we just finished having a steak and lobster dinner. And this is the good night kiss scenario. Wow. He wrote have, the story for you. Uh, d- yeah. We have Daniel W. saying, give me that good love, daddy. We have our good buddy Matt Reeves saying, I want you to seduce me with your words. And of course, we got a good buddy, um, Hakuna, saying, I love the stories and different themes. Also, that weird moan Josh had during the shoutouts a few weeks back was funny. I don't remember that moan, so I'm going to be going to listen to that show <laughs> immediately after this episode. Because I don't remember that at all. But... Gotta go listen to that. But anyways, that was that. <laughs> the other question I asked, um, this is something that I had a random idea for, and we've been discussing it behind the scenes. And I guess we can just announce it here that we are going to be doing, um, every year we do a Game of the Year show uh, where we develop our own categories. Some of them are similar to other sites and places. And some of them are very unique to our show, like incredibly, incredibly unique. Like, who would you like to have a, the best character of this year you'd like to have a drink with at a bar kind of thing, or the best haircut, that kind of stuff. And this year, because we just recently opened up a new Patreon tier uh, for people to listen to some additional supplementary stuff, um, like podcast wise, like uh, spoiler cast and stuff of that nature. Um, so I asked our patrons, our patrons, um, if we were to uh, do an, a Patreon exclusive category, uh, what would it be? What do you guys want to see? So one of these categories, um, they're gonna, they've given us a bunch of categories. The four of us are going to vote behind the scenes. Um, on or actually, we're not going to vote. Um, personally. The patrons are going to vote on their favorite one behind the scenes. And after that, the one that the most people vote on is going to go actually into the Chompcast um, Game of the Year stuff. Now, all the other ones that were didn't make it to that um, show are going to go into an exclusive Patreon only uh, Game of the Year show where we take all the categories from the patrons and turn it into a show of what we're going to vote on. So I'm not going to reveal any um, of those that were commented. I don't want to do that. I just kind of wanted to give you guys some insight into what we're going to be doing into game of the year. So if you are a Patreon member, you get um, access to um, deciding which of our Patreon um, topics is going to make it onto the Chompcast. But not only that, you're also going to get access to um, some other categories that are going to be on that Patreon-exclusive Game of the Year show. So that's pretty much it in terms of the Patreon okay. front. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. That's exciting. Yeah, because we're talking about maybe doing a, uh, a very private Patreon-related show, but most importantly, when they vote. They're going to get a topic onto the Game Awards. Exactly. And those, those exactly. our own Game Awards, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Game Awards. Yeah, our own Game of the Year awards are crazy. And thankfully, they're still a, a ways away because, 
we have stuff we need to at least tap into or devour, but um, yeah, cool. Thank you for that information. And uh, I just I just remember that I just remember that Fire Emblem got snubbed at the Game Awards, and I was very mad. Um, I just had this sudden remembering of Fire Emblem getting snubbed. Yeah, dude. Um, like I was looking at the Game Awards. Fire Emblem isn't anywhere to be seen on there. One category. It's in the tactical it's games the one, which tactical. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. That's bullshit. That's fucking yeah. bullshit. Category no one cares about. It's just odd. I, from the sales to how that was received, I thought that was strange. But I think the genre doesn't lend itself to mainstream appeal, really. Maybe. Maybe. It could just odd be that. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're just crazy. Um. Anyways, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get out of here. Or my wife is wondering where I am. I'll be having a new baby here in just a couple of days. So Yay. thanks for being here, Shave from Shave from Japan, the professor. Uh, Josh from Michigan. Of course, I'm General Mountain Time. Morgan from Montana. And Fish, uh, thank you as always for being here. Um, I can't imagine doing a show without you. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll see you next week for an all-new Chompcast. <laughs> Oh, fish. Oh, fish.